a soldier, an airman, and a marine walk into a room. This show is The Punchline. My name is Ryan Smeltz, and you're watching Veteran Talk Show. All right, guys. So in case you don't know, we are an affiliate for Soldier Girl Coffee Company. I'm super excited about this because they have amazing coffee. And in future episodes, you will see us drinking soldier girl coffee uh they also have a cbd coffee so if uh you need um some cbd uh which helps support um your health in a sense of relaxation uh it helps uh with your your sleep and your overall health on a day-to-day basis then soldier girl coffee has both that and the caffeine you need uh, so be sure to check out the link in the show notes. Uh, go ahead and click that, shop around, and make sure you get yourself some Soldier Girl coffee today. What's going on? Not much. Just uh, 9 o'clock in the morning here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he got a whoopee. No, 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 no. This is a poncho liner. It is a poncho liner. It's an old school poncho liner, but it's a poncho liner. That's what I said, Wooby. We call uh-uh. them poncho liners. <laughs> he said, uh-uh. <laughs> definitely a poncho liner. See, That's only, all you need. Only you would be fucked without it. Yeah. We wouldn't be. It's a poncho liner. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I would be fucked without it because I would be in the corner crying. <laughs> Sounds like a person. Rocking back and forth. <laughs> Sounds like a personal problem. Like he said, took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I said, he's got a whoopee. He said, no, no it's a poncho it's liner. A poncho liner. <laughs> I was like, what is a, I've never even heard of that term before. Hell no. Neither Are you I. serious? Yeah. I, I don't even know what, if you would have been like, oh, that's what I've been like. They are heavily marketed now as hoodies and all kinds of other shit. Like whoopee hoodies. No, I don't oh, know yeah. what you're talking about. That is definitely an armyism yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an army thing. That's not a Marine thing. And uh, if you look at the tag, the tag says poncho liner. Oh, no. Yeah. And the piece of paper I got from CIF also says poncho liner, but that Great. doesn't she make calls me, me right as we turn it off. Yeah. That doesn't make right. me want to turn it back in. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to keep it. <laughs> hey, I still got mine from Frank when I was in. I actually, uh, <clears throat> I actually have the, the wool blanket from basic training. Or how whatever. How did you get that thing? Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I just when I got out, like I got my uh, yeah, duffel bag from Iraq. I got that. <laughs> we got a puppy uh, a couple of years ago. He was five weeks old yeah. when we got him home, and he found that blanket and curled up on it and it. sat down, and that was his new favorite spot. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. So, man, you got a collared shirt on. I feel like I'm underdressed. <laughs> So this is my everyday wear. I cut out all the t-shirts from all the freaking other t-shirt companies and everything else. And I kind of went back to the roots of the military. I got, you know, I'm sitting here. I'm the face of the company. I am always out in the limelight with everybody else and constantly having to grab a different, you know, shirt or whatever else. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I went back to the, my roots of the Marine Corps and I simplified my clothing attire. So either a, I'm wearing just an OD green t-shirt 
which is very similar, very, very seldom because it's always wearing this and the Odie green shirts underneath. And I wear these every day, all day. I wear the pair of jeans. Keep it simple. Like, Closets like a lot Jobs. <laughs> like Steve Jobs, just what are you wearing today? Same black. thing I wear every day. Black on black. One of, one of these. Well, that's what I, I have to wear. I have, well, so I have to wear like the bright orange or neon shirts for work. So I wear that in a pair of like khaki work pants. So I did find uh, I'm uh, apparently closer and closer to freakishly tall because um, I get made fun of when I went down to Kurt's thing because he I guess he's a little short. I'm a little tall. So standing beside each other, it looks like a giant and it's ridiculous. But I found these regular shirts. I hate them. I lift my arms up and my gut sticks out or, you know, whatever. So I find the shirts on Amazon that are extra long mm-hmm. and I get like packs of those and uh, they, they they fit better. They're not all the same color, but that's kind of what I do for work. It's like one of those shirts and then pants or shorts, mm-hmm. depending on if it's hot or cold. Yeah, I have to get the extra tall, you know, the the long, the, <laughs> the long shirts. Because when you lift your arms up, that shit pulls out. And I'm like, damn it, son of a bitch. Yeah. Yep. So I know the yep. feeling. So, yep. so Frank, tell us you, you. So tell us a little bit, you know, about about your past. About you, you were a Marine, correct? You know, when were you in? Well, if you want to go deep back, I'm a hillbilly redneck country boy from the backwoods of Ohio. There you go. You know, so I grew up in the backwoods of Ohio, small town. You know, we're looking at about population, about 900 people. And um, it just wasn't much there, you know. Yeah, I had gotten a scholarship to Pittsburgh Art Institute to get a four-year ride, but it wasn't something that was going to felt right to me. And it was a lot of people in my past that, you know, either did me wrong or they did me right and my family wasn't the greatest scenario so I decided to join the Marine Corps and I'd always wanted to be a Marine and it was thanks to Hooter God rest his soul that was able to get me and take me to the recruiter talk to him get everything situated and get him to talk to my family to be able to let me go and that was junior the summer of my junior uh senior year and um next thing I know I'm graduating high school June 1st of 1995. June 5th, I'm at MEPS. June 6th, I'm on a plane. June 7th, I'm on the Yellow Footprints at Paris Island. Very intimidating day. <laughs> you have no idea what's about to happen to you. Actually, most intimidating day is when you pick up your drill instructors. I got a intimidating day. Yeah, I get I mean, because I'm I'm in the middle of that now. We do a segment uh called War Stories. Um, which is just me basically walking through from high school through my military career. And I'm right on the brink of talking about that part, but obviously the army doesn't have the yellow footprint. So it is uh, the, the shark attack for me was still pretty intimidating. Um, I actually think they got rid of those now, but uh, I don't, I don't have any perception or really understanding of what these yellow footprints and that whole scene looks like or what it feels like zero dark (laughs) and some dude comes onto the bus and starts yelling and then he's saying a bunch of shit that you don't really are grasping what he's telling you 
all you hear is when I give the command, you're going to run outside and get on my yellow footprints. That's pretty much all you hear. And then he says, move. And then he's just yelling. So, yeah. so Frank, you said you're backwoods redneck. So in that situation, is that like fear or energy or like what's going through your head? Where's your, your mind at? So you're talking to somebody that got grew up that you screwed up. Everybody in the damn town knew you screwed up. And if it was at one person's house, it was all the way till you got down to your house. You got freaking yelled at, hooted at. You even got freaking smacked a couple damn times by a few other people if you really screwed up. So, you know, the yelling thing wasn't really kind of a scare factor. It was a pucker the asshole of, oh, shit, what the fuck did I just climb into? That's exactly you know? what I thought. I was looking around going. <laughs> What did I sign up for? <laughs> they got my signature. Now I'm getting yelled at. It's not. It's it's not really scary. Right? I, no. I get what you're saying. It's not. It's not like oh shit, I'm scared. Like this guy's about to hurt me. You're just kind of yeah. like, oh, this is how it is. Like you yeah. see it on like YouTube videos or movies or whatever, yeah. and you're kind of. I like, didn't have oh, I YouTube that, and then you experience it firsthand. You're like, oh, oh shit, it's way more intense. Oh, this is. Oh, this is my life now. I have to reassess how I make life choices. So I, I got told before I enlisted. So I was working a job and they found out I was enlisting. And the boss was like, have you seen stripes? And I was like, no. And he was like, before you leave, he was like, before you leave, you have to watch stripes. He goes, cause if you leave and you come back and you watch it, it's not going to be as fun. So that, that was my experience watching Stripes. Ours is more like Full Metal Jacket. I mean, I, I will tell you, Full Metal Jacket is probably the closest thing to Marine training that I've ever seen Hollywood put out. So when did you go into Marine Corps boot camp and where? I went Paris Island. I went to boot camp in 07. So I was, okay. yeah, I was 22 when I went to boot camp. Yeah. So you had, you know, the YouTube to be able to potentially start you out because they started what, 2005? Yeah, you know I mean? I, so, but they weren't. Yeah, they weren't popular. I, my exactly. all my experience back then was of the movies, and I had friends yeah. before me who had gone to boot camp. Exactly. So you had, you know, for me it was the movies. It was no clue, and you know, and I, you are Crucible Marine. You, you yes. were the the whooped, the the how we had to be together as a tight niche, and and everybody get transferred to a same unit if they were as in the buddy system and things of that nature. I wasn't. I didn't have the crucible. I had field week. What is field week? I guess that's like BW, <laughs> BWT. <laughs> okay. What is the crucible? So field week is basically where we went out for two weeks. We had our initial instruction week, got everything set up, our packs and things of that nature. And then we went into field week. Field week is an intense week of simulating combat situations. Field week is running you through digging, you know, fighting positions, foxholes, um, going from different scenarios, climbing under barbed wire, freaking rounds flying over top of your head, you know, loudspeakers simulating everything else. And it was like you were ready to die. The crucible, on the other hand, and I luckily was a range coach at Paris Island at Edson Range when they introduced the crucible. It is basically a glorified obstacle course, in my opinion. And it's supposed to try to get everybody to work as teams 
and ration your food and things of that niche because you're only limited to a certain amount of MREs. And we had that in field week as well. Um, but what really irked me was I didn't earn my Eagle Globe and Anchor until I walked across the parade deck on the final day of boot camp. When they introduced the crucible, they get their EGA on the hill or on the end of the crucible. So the end of their career of the boot camp, well, not career, at the end of their process of boot camp, they are called Marines. Yeah, we get, yeah. So the crucible happens about six days before graduation, something like that. So you come off the cruise. So the crucible is a three day event where you get like, like two hours of sleep a day or something. And you get like one, two MREs for the three days and you're just constantly out moving. Yes. There's lots of obstacle courses, but you're also doing what you did where you're crawling under the barbed wire and all the gunfires going off and they're launching the arty rounds, the sim rounds you're yeah. doing all the, you do the, um, your final boxing battles and stuff. So they have like an octagon. So you, you basically, two platoons or two sticks really because you've broken up into sticks line up on either side and you don't know who you're going to face off against the drill instructors do and there's a plat and you run in this hallway and there's a platform where all the drill instructors are standing up over and you basically run into this octagon just swinging and you're just in there until a drill instructor tells you to stop and they will and yeah. you, so you do that kind of stuff then you do like mock patrols and movement to contact and all that other stuff yeah and that's ours was a week long yeah. yeah we we had a phase three ftx so the equivalent to your ega would be our values tag and that's where you got it to add to the dog tags but i was osit which means where y'all kind of went to basic training and then you went to advanced training and most of the army does the same thing you go to basic training then you graduate, and then you go to your AIT advanced individual training. Uh, mine was all together. So instead of the, like the rest of the army, nine week basic training, we had basically 21 weeks of training and uh, phase three FTX was the equivalent to what you guys are calling field week or the crucible it was hard. It sucked a lot of lack of sleep and hoping that uh, <laughs> you can find some hot water to rake your face well see it sounds like field week is kind of but, uh, what we now call basic warrior training which is like the week it's like a two-week thing you do before the crucible hmm. so you go out um it's not as intense as the crucible but you go out you basically learn to do the fighting positions you learn to do like you i don't know if they even still do this but like you would shoot like your at4s and your you know 240s and saws that was just like get the a feel best for it. part. That was yeah, the, it's the best that part. That was the best part. You get like Kevlar's and stuff. That's where you actually start putting on like flak jackets and mm -hmm. like going out and running around with those. So, it's really yeah. the first time you get to do that stuff. So how how long were you in, Frank? I was in seven and a half years, ninety five to 02. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, where, where were you stationed? Um. So after boot camp, I, of course, went to SOI because I was 0311 Infantry, the only MOS that matters. <laughs> <laughs> Ground pounder. And um, then I ended up going down to Norfolk for um, Marine Corps Security Forces. 
because I signed up for security mm -hmm. forces, not knowing mm -hmm. what in the hell I was getting into, because I found out in boot camp at that point that my primary MOS was 0311, whenever I thought my primary MOS was security forces. So yeah, that was a joy in boot camp finding that out. Um, recruiter lied to me on that one. What is security forces? It's MSG. So it's uh, like embassy guard and they got do they're down at like Guantanamo. So and, it just depends on what you get. Oh, like with. a rent a cup. Yeah, you're at eight. You're out of eighth and I, I think is where MS. I don't know. I, I just ask because the Air Force calls their MP security forces, but we were in training with uh, Marine MPs. So I figured that Marines also call their MPs MPs. Yeah, so, they're, so security forces is MLS. way different. Yeah, security yeah. forces is like the guys who literally <laughs> either go to embassies and stand guard on embassies. That's mostly what they do. So you signed up to <laughs> no. the infantry, no. and they're like, surprise. Is that not what they do? That's, all, oh, that's, that's what I that's, was told they did. That no, 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 no. He's no, about no, to no. tell us. Oh, he's about to he's tell about us. to tell us. I know they were also at like uh security company was also at like Guantanamo Garden Prisoners, but I don't know if that happened <laughs> in the 90s. Um, so when I got in, I was like, okay, we either had the chance to go to the embassies or eighth and I. And you know, the problem is is yes, I'm a you know country boy from the backwoods of Ohio. I didn't know how to swim. I could swim underwater because whenever you got stripping pits and small little ponds and stuff like that, and you drop off a, you know, high wall and you hit down and you've only got 20 feet between you and the shoreline or to the bank or whatever, you just swim underneath the water. It's simpler. That was my theory. I was thrown in. It was like either swim or swim. So I just learned how to swim underwater. I still can't swim on top of the water, but I can do the elementary backstroke. Thanks to Marine Corps boot camp. <laughs> so I wasn't going eighth and I because you need to be able to swim pretty good and all that and everything else. So I picked, you know, embassy duty. And next thing I know, I am getting sent to Washington State to Bangor, Washington, to where I get sucked in the fourth platoon, which we are guarding. Basically, it's firewatch all the time the decommissions of nuclear subs that fucking sucks sitting on the puget sound in a state that ranged nine plus months out of the year dude they should create an mos for both the marines and the army where it's just this one guy when you show up to the post it's like swinging his dick around going got you motherfucker <laughs> Oh, dude, yeah. Firewatch, like <laughs> when he said Firewatch, I'm just like, oh, that's miserable. They had something like that. I can't remember what it was called, but they had a a a tasking or whatever down at Fort Hood. And it was like, I don't know what it was. It was like server rooms or UXOs or some bullshit like that. And all, all the guys that had to do it called it bunkers. But it was like 12 hour shifts. It was like two people. And that's all it was. And you weren't allowed to do shit while you were at the desk. I never had to do it. So I don't really know what it looked like, but it just sounded like the most boring shit. That, anything, anything like that. Like when he said Firewatch, like Firewatch is literally the worst part of Firewatch is like the OD, like reporting to the OD. If the OD shows up, the officer of the day shows up, you've got to like stand at attention and like report your post. No. Oh. And follow you, you know, and he can ask you like about your general orders. And man, that shit sucks. Like, oh, oh, it's like we, it's like being on barrack, like your duty NCO of the barracks. Yeah, like we it's we fucking had awful. So in basic training, we had the the fire guard, 
or firewatch as you guys call it it firewatch then when we got out you had cq charge of quarters which was just the exact same thing but permanent party at the barracks we actually lucked out when i got to fort polk at first they didn't do it but then you know you fill a unit and soldiers get drunk and stupid so they enact cq and then you also had staff duty at battalion and so if you didn't ever get stuck on it you are right but Frank, it sounds like you kind of showed up and they were like, this is what you do now. So how, how long were you out there? How long did you have to do that? I was technically supposed to do it for nine, for uh, two years. It was supposed to be a two year stint up in Washington. That is way too long. It is. Oh, (laughs) it is. So I ended up, I was just sitting there in the weather, sitting there in the rain, constantly wearing Gore-Tex and, you know, rain gear and everything else. And then um, I just, I, I'm like, I couldn't do it. I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. And um, I ended up requesting to be transferred to the infantry early. I'm like, I cannot be doing this for two years. There's no way. Got to be able to do something. Go to a victory and, unit. Get me the fuck yeah, out of here. I want to go shoot guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I would yeah i can see that happening yeah so i was there pretty much 97 you know mid 97 in the beginning of 90 you know 90 no my bad 96 time frame and um they uh they ran granted me my request and um the staff sergeant got his way put it that way with me if I wasn't going to fulfill my duty there, they made sure that they were going to send me to a unit that was going to take care of me. And I got sent down to the infamous Alpha Company 1-5. I was going to say, that doesn't mean anything to me. Fifth, fifth Reg is, <laughs> well, so in my my generation, fifth Reg, fifth Reg is one of the best regiments in the Marine Corps. Yes. It's like, it's a squared away like they do everything by the book kind of very regimented very very so you're not going to be a dirt bag and show up there no you don't fifth reg doesn't have shit bags fifth reg and seventh reg don't have shit bags yeah so they sent me to alpha company one five and when i get down there i check in and here to find out that i am going to be in like i said alpha company one five first platoon and i'm like wait a minute um, I think there's a mistake whenever I checked into the S1 and, and the duty and, and uh, duty officer. It was a boat company. And I'm like, wait a minute. I can't swim. I'm a, <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a swim qual. I'm a forced qual swim here. Okay. I did the elementary backstroke. I didn't do all this other fancy freaking. Yeah, I can freaking make my camis float and everything else, but. It was requested by the staff sergeant that I go to boat company. And that's where they put me is in boat company. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I, well, so I was in, I, so my comp, so I was in two, two, my company, when we went to Iraq was track company, which was pretty awesome. Like I liked being in track company. Track company is basically the guys who get like, like it says you're in, you get in the LAVs and um, go around in, in tracks. And suck fumes. That's- and suck fumes but like it's it's like very vietnam-esque like you like when you're doing training and stuff they open up the hatches 
and you're pulling security outside and you're just rolling through stuff. It's, it's pretty awesome. But when I came home from Iraq, there was a brief time where they were like, we might make Fox company Kilo company. I was like, absolutely not. Cause I, I don't like heights. <laughs> I'm not a fan of heights. Like, like I'm a great swimmer. Okay. I was like, why would you not want that? Like, like that is so like fast roping out of a helicopter is not my idea of a good time. Like that's not I something like, that I want to do. So bad No, no. Like fuck no. Because <laughs> fast roping out of a, a helo is literally a controlled fall. Like you get this. There's a giant rope, and you basically hold onto it like yeah. this, and when and you just look down at the ground, and you're like, when you get when the ground gets real close, you clinch everything up. And your feet hit and you roll out of it and, you know, just hope you don't break anything. That's essentially, that's essentially fast roping. And I'm like, oh, <coughs> that noise, that doesn't not sound fun to me. And Frank shows up and they're like, you're in boat company. I can't swim. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and one of the, one of the things is, is when you get out there, they, they literally will get you in the Pacific ocean on a Zodiac and you're going through doing stuff and they will deliberately tip that boat over. So, so you can. So, so hey, hang on a second, because I want to make sure I got my ge geography right. Because you were in Washington State, so when you went to this new unit, was that was, still in Washington? No, no it was in Paris. It was in uh, Camp Pendleton, California, over here in California. Okay, that's how you got stuck in California, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pendleton is really you. nice, though. I mean, you're right there. I mean, you've got. I don't know yeah. about really nice, but it's nicer than Camp Lejeune because you've got. Oceanside, yes, you've got San Diego, you've got LA is close, Vegas is close, San Clemente, you've got yeah. freaking all that, everything else. It's yeah, Southern it's, California, it's just nice there, you know. Yeah. Whereas Camp Lejeune is just a swampy ball sack of shithole. Yes, and Jacksonville ain't no better. Yep. There's if, so if, how, if Camp Lejeune wasn't there, Jacksonville would be a trailer park. Yeah, so, <laughs> and then some. <laughs> it's a farmland so how long were you there in that unit and so because you were in from 95 to 02 so did you deploy at all so whenever shortly after i got to um so shortly after i got down there to pendleton and of course you know as as marines you know we we tend to make stupid choices and do stupid things and while i was stationed in virginia i met a woman and then, you know, okay, so I go up to Washington, we're together, come down, we decide to break, and I go on leave before I go to, um, before I go to uh, Camp Pendleton, get married, and get down there, move over there. Within, I think I got there in January, February, no, it was March, February, March, or something like that, and then April, we're getting ready to deploy to uh, Okinawa, Japan. So I went and was on uh, deployment in Japan for six months, which was a drunk fest. Um, just you were the Marines that ruined for all the other Marines, weren't you? Well, for future that's generations, always, that's, going to Japan and already, getting drunk is not a deployment. <laughs> so. It was, Go ahead. It was it was already set in stone for us to to do those things. That was prior to me that set those things up because, you know, the donkey show was or the uh, the coin show was still there. You know, and whenever you get drugged there to the coin show, it is it is very special, and coin it show. is not something you ever want to see again. The coin show and the banana show. 
I don't know what either one of these things are. I hope he's going to tell us. <laughs> I've never heard of either. Is this kind of like getting your shell this bag card or whatever? No, 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 no. This is our, yeah. Out the gate. Out the gate. No, this is we're committed. Be, no. Fuck it. So, <laughs> this is like going to Bangkok in the red light district. It sounds like, let's let's dive in. So when you get there and they, they do tell you that, you know, we do not go to this show. The same woman that is there has been there since the age of time and guarantee you if it's not her, it's her daughter or her somebody, you know, a relative or whatever. And then your curiosity is kicking in. So you go out in town and of course the guys that's been there before know where to go and they take you into there. So it's a Japanese strip club that basically when you go in there, this lady takes a beer bottle sets it down puts coins on top of the beer bottle you give her you give her a dollar and she will sit down on the coins suck them up in her vagina and freaking you tell her what change you want back <laughs> and she will spit out the exact change that you request for that dollar these are the stories these are exactly like the stories that i heard about guys who would go on a mew and they'd end up in bangkok for for liberty off of a mew and they would go to the red light district and have stories like i've heard stories of of women having turtles up there crawling out while they're doing blowing darts and hitting balloons i you know it's one of those like i've heard it from a guy never actually seen it but i, I hear these stories all the time <laughs> i was never in asia it was europe for me um that was I've, i mean i've got some crazy stories but you just took the cake so oh the, it gets better Oh dear. He said, he Frank said, I'm not done yet. Not done. <laughs> there's, oh, but wait, there's more. Continue. Oh so, shit. And one of the things, you know, at that time I was still, you know, fresh in the, you know, infantry, figuring things out. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just get it walk drug into? Right. So there's, you know, we're all sitting around and she comes out to the audience and out, out there, grabs one of the guys. This guy was at least freaking six foot six, tall motherfucker. And um, she gets him in a stage, sets him on the floor, starts, you know, lap dancing with him and everything else, and then lays him down on the floor and starts rubbing his body and everything else. And of course, he's a young, dumb Marine. He's there getting, you know, getting hard and she's getting ready to grab a hold of his, you know, his, his dick and everything else. And then she ends up reaching behind out of a box and pulls out a banana. And she the takes, banana, Frank. What does she do? She ends <laughs> up shoving the banana up her vagina, breaks it in half, and then she starts flinging pieces, one to the right, one to the left, one forward, and then drops the last piece in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how you get STDs. <laughs> so this is why. This is why. By the time I so when I joined the Marine Corps, I had a buddy of mine who was who did who was stationed because Okinawa ended up becoming a duty station for um, a limited time. They treated it like a duty station, not like a deployment. 
But if you went to the rock, that's what we called it. Was the rock? I don't know if it was called the rock. That's, you yes, were in. that's why it's I looked rock. at you funny because I was stationed in Baumholder, Germany, and they called Baumholder the rock. So, well, now well, that had, now Alcatraz, I don't know what the fuck is true. Well, so I had a buddy who had, who was stationed out there back in probably 04 or 05 for a year, and he's like, "It's fucking shitty because you're not allowed." So if you leave base, there's a curfew. There was a curfew at this point. Yeah, because there was, I guess, so much shit. I'm happening. sure there was back when he was there. Was, was there, there a curfew? Yeah. Oh, there so, was. No, no, so no, he was the one that's so you're the for future generations. So you're the reasons. <laughs> so there was, I guess, so much shit that was going on with Marines out in Okinawa, like in civilian, like hooking up with girls, and like I guess the culture is so different that the like fathers or brothers or whatever would like yell rape, and there would just be these huge, huge uh -huh. deals. Like there was always these kind of clashes going on between the civilian population and the in the Marines, that it was so bad that, that Okinawa is now closed. They have shut it down and have moved Okinawa to Guam, because the the just all the headbutting with the Marines and the local the local population. Maybe but, the Marines, but I I feel like Army and uh, Army and Air Force have people over there. Mm -mm. It was a Marine base. They I had, had a buddy Navy base. That well, I had was, a buddy that was over there. So yeah. even if it's a Marine base, it's still, they probably have. I mean, they have other forces. But it's, yeah, because like I got a, I got a buddy that's stationed in Miami right now, and there is he's a staff sergeant. So there are four slots for his rank and MOS down there. So right. that's kind of the the it's, rarity. Yeah. So there's there's probably other service, but the base by and large to this point or to this day is either completely shut down or almost completely shut down and uh, they've camp moved Hansen's, it to guam camp you know. still open oh is it camp hansen should still be open to my understanding i thought that, they, i read Okinawa? in the marine corps times like three years ago four years ago that there was a massive movement to guam that they were basically opening building guam up probably this is probably 2016 and they were building guam up to shut down eventually okinawa or at least lower the presence that okinawa has yeah they probably did but i know they're they're still you know they still post on their facebook because i follow it i just went and looked they still do some posts on their oh do they facebook. I, was, yeah. I must have yeah that was in the marine corps time so i know they i, I thought they completely shut it down that's yeah. crazy shit man like yeah. in germany they had so many different concerns for bomb holder and when i got over there they did something called a base realignment so there was smith barracks which is like the main post wetzel housing the the fucking mp station was like its own concern that was annoying as shit especially when the fp con increased and you had to like travel in civilian clothes and change into uniform at work but um they had a whole bunch they had eater oberstein and a bunch of other uh barracks and stuff and then they collapsed it all in it's just it, there was only in Baumholder, it was only one brigade when they were done doing the base well, they realignment. separated parts of so parts of was it third division or whatever you was split between back in back when i was it was split between because first division's in california second division's north carolina third is split between hawaii and okinawa or it was hmm. and then yeah. you had the, the the i think the fourth wing was in okinawa yeah and that was that there it got so bad out in okinawa the horror stories that i was hearing by the time i was leaving the marine corps was that 
they had completely said every, you could not leave base anymore in Okinawa if you were stationed I, out there. I'd just like to talk about the fact that he said he deployed there. Well, that's like that's like that's like guys in the army being like, I deployed to South Korea. It's like, did you though? Did you? No, no, you didn't. You, you did. Nobody deploys to South Korea. Nobody. Uh, okay, so I got a buddy that deployed to Kuwait. Yeah, and that's I not a deployment. It, that's a that's a duty station. Well, yeah, but my point is, he said he deployed to Japan, and he's watching coin shows. That's still, that's pretty fucking so, awesome. I so, want that combat patch. <laughs> like, so holy it, fucking shit! It's it's one of those things. It's either you go you go to a six month deployment to Okinawa, which is not only just sitting on Okinawa. Um, we, you know, did our training out there. We did a lot of the you know stuff in the infantry, everything else, and this the, you know that's the stupid side. And there's more stupid side shit, especially whenever it's typhoons. We were there during typhoon season, so we're there in the beginning of um. 2007 well mid 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 range of 2007 summertime everything else and there were typhoons and yet idiots that thought it was a great idea that get drunk and take a poncho liner and get up on the third story of the barracks and jump off and use it as a parachute and break both their legs yes that story checks out i know marinzi would have done that <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> the hell is your goddamn problem <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! So, the greatest, the greatest analogy. There I ever is got. nothing about a poncho liner that makes me believe it would hold air like that. <laughs> so the greatest analogy I have for anyone about the Marine Corps is a story I got told by my corpsman. So I used to have a corpsman, J Hop, who would always like when we were standing in groups out in the field or whatever, just bored. He would always come walking up with his med <clears throat> bag and be like, "What's up, guys? What's going on?" We're like, finally, someone one day asked him, was like, Doc, whenever you see us, why do you always come up with your med bag? He said, the first thing I learned in core school is if you see a group of mer bored Marines standing around <laughs> doing nothing, somebody or something is about to get hurt. Yeah. Or you decide to go ahead and take some cardboard. And whenever it's typhoon season, you're supposed to be locked down. So you are literally running to the PX and grabbing every movie, every freaking amount of beer that you are allowed to grab, because at that time you're not allowed to freaking 12 pack per Marine. And so we went and got all the freaking stuff. We, at that time, Jolt Cola was around. So we would get Jolt Cola, beers, you know, whiskey, mm -hmm. everything. And, and we had one guy that thought, okay, he's going to get on a piece of cardboard and you know, the, there's these the giant culvert pipes that we have here that run down under the streets and stuff like that they have those there and he decided to ride the water down the culvert and went through the pipe and literally sheared the front of his freaking forehead and took a oh massive God. chunk down so that had happened while i was that there. checks out that checks out cardboard what the fuck? dude the dumb shit that we would think about when we were bored like I mean, it is, it isn't like, I don't know how, evo like Marine Corps infantry is proof. And when you're bored, that evolution is not, a, is not a real thing <laughs> because we would do some dumb shit. Like, like you, so you remember vet TV, right? Like the yeah. welcome to the barracks or whatever that show on vet TV. I'm not sure if I saw that one. The new guy checks in. They like basically sandwich him between two air mattresses <laughs> and duct tape him and then just throw him off the third level. That, that shit happens. That checks out. That that happens. Yeah. No, yes. that that makes sense. I mean, so 
of course, I've got crazy stories. I think the biggest offset between, you know, my experience in, in infantry in any branch is that we were a co-ed MOS. Oh, yeah, we didn't. Yeah, no, that wasn't a thing. So some sometimes but, no but still, going, guys 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 let's think about this for a second yeah but still no. i the, it's probably what the infantry needed well i don't i don't know how the marines are but even in the infantry in the army you'll still have females around because maybe you're hanging at your buddy's house that's off post that lives off post and it's him and his wife and then they have their friends over and stuff so there's still going to be females involved not at the barracks I mean, but it, it's just like only happens at the barracks you got to understand this is not the type of stuff that you go to someone's house and you're like, but still, hey, there were still you know. so so y'all didn't have like females no. coming over no. from not allowed. Females were not allowed no. to be in the barracks past like 1700 or something. It was about huh. 1900 when I was in, but yeah, I no, don't know. We had, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we had barracks bunnies. We had the barracks yeah. bunnies that would we called them barracks rats because we were at Lejeune. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and and I've been Lejeune as well, so I I know the barracks rats too. <laughs> so but, so because um, so our rule was like it was kind of like that, but it was visitors because obviously we had males and females, so it was like visitor visitors couldn't be there past a certain time. But no infantry. I mean, when but we I was I was just was trying to think because I had I had female coworkers who dated infantry, so I'm like. <clears throat> How do the logistics behind that work? Like if you're a female MP and there's infantry barracks. So if she went over there, then maybe at like five or seven or whatever, they're like, Hey, you got to go. Yeah. Basically the duty NCO is supposed to walk around so, and, and be like, Hey, you need to get the fuck out of here. Okay. Like it's, you got, you got, or, you got to go. You ain't got to go home, had, but you can't stay here. <laughs> or you had the single staff NCOs that was up on the third floor that had their own room to themselves that also kept an eye on things yeah we didn't have that <laughs> like, once you became an nco like you basically were applying for off off base housing oh yeah no not not when i was in they they, they didn't base housing was off base or whatever else was just for married marines we didn't have the you know they were the staff ncos were still but they got the luxury of having a whole room to themselves oh, those lucky bastards <clears throat> Well, we had so some of the NCOs who chose not to, and it was basically E5s. Once you became an E5, um, you basically could apply for um, off base, or they sent you to the. There was an NCO barrack. Yeah, there wasn't like it wasn't like it was very weird to see like a sergeant of Marines in the same barracks as like privates, PFCs, lanes corporals, and corporals. Yeah. yeah. Like it was very, very odd to be like, that's a sergeant of Marines living in the barracks. Like he was probably at a, uh, there was an NCO barrack that was separate, you know, from the rest of the company. They, they had that at Fort Polk when I got there, NCO barracks and soldiers. But then at Fort Hood, the NCOs just took the rooms on the bottom level. <clears throat> there wasn't that many of us. Cause at that point you're either married or, and, and really it's only E5s. Cause once you become an E6, they automatically give you BAH and kick yeah. you off post. They kick you off post, yeah. yeah. So E E4, you're in the barracks. E5, you get an NCO room. E6, get the fuck out. Yeah, that's pretty much what it's like in the Marines. Well, it was when I was in. So you're, you're 
watching coin shows in fucking Okinawa and well, and, then, and, and deployed. Did you well, get hazardous duty pay for that? It sounds like you uh, should. No, should. no you we didn't should. get that. You know, I'm just we saying, ended up like now we ended up, you know, while we're there, we ended up getting on the on the, the ship. We were on the Dubuque. Um and we went out and did our tour around the water and then we ended up doing a stop in uh um we were in Taiwan. Now, when you go to Taiwan, that's it's a shithole and a half. But it's it's one of those places where a lot of Marines come back with the STDs because they don't listen. And you go in there and then you've got the freaking kickboxing events that some Marine thinks it's a great idea to let me sign up and go ahead and pay an exuberant amount of money to get into a cage with a freaking guy that's been doing this for years and comes back with his ass whooped and a few broken ribs and everything else. Oh yeah. Sounds like a Marine. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> so this was, so you were on a, so this was essentially like a Mew out of Oki. Yes. Okay. Yep. We were on a Mew. All right. Yep. I see oh, that's, that thing. You never got to go. On. That's why I joined. <laughs> like I really wanted to go on a Mew. I was like, man, I'd love to go. Cause like I heard great. So my buddy was stationed in Oki was like, Dude, pack muse are the greatest because you pull it. He's like, the greatest place you'll go is Australia. He's like, the Australian women love Marines and they know the ship schedules better than the DOD. <laughs> and they will throw tennis balls up on they the will, freaking yeah, ship. He told, he told me the same thing. He's like, he's like, I've been to Australia twice. Never paid for a hotel. Never washed my own laundry. <laughs> yep. Never. Ate, like, never all had the women are beautiful. Because <laughs> they're men over there. Treat them like shit. Yeah, he said, my buddy told me, he's like, yeah, you will, you will come back. Like you will literally walk off the ship for your Liberty. And there will just be a slew of gorgeous women, just the most gorgeous women you've ever seen right there by the security gate as you're leaving. And they are just trying to tackle every Marine because you're coming off in uniform. And they were just trying to tackle every Marine and be like, come stay, come with me and hang it. Like they go and cook and do all that. And like trying to, oh yeah. He's like, it's great. I love it. Rough life. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> I wanted to go on a mule. Joe said, that's what I wanted. That's what do. I wanted to do at 23 years old. I wanted old. that. <laughs> I wanted that life. No, I got Iraq. That's what I got. <laughs> More choices. You got what we in the army call the big green weenie. That's what we call it, the green. <laughs> yeah, we call that it, term. That's, 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 that's our we term. Invented you can't that use one. that. Yeah, like, I, I could have swore we invented that one. Yeah, we're green. We're we're mean. We're green. We're marines. Yeah. It's the green weenie for us. The green weenie strikes in the Marine Corps. That's our word, sir. I mean, I'm just saying, like the army is also green. I know. I don't I don't know who came up with it don't really care but when you're getting shafted up the ass with no lube you fucking know it <laughs> this dog oh, yeah. is so tired so yeah. so so you get done uh with with Japan what where where did you go after that you well so, you, I guess you would have gone back to your unit yeah we we came back okay. to the states and it was it was a funny situation that that was into that was the summer and the end of 97. Um, while I was over there, I found out that at the time, my, the wife I was with was pregnant. I got back within a couple of weeks. My daughter was born on November 29th. 
And literally a couple months later, I'm finding out that they are taking a detachment of 14 Marines and one of our, one of our corpsmen's and we are getting sent over to Kuwait. We had no clue why we were going, why it was only a select amount of few, why, you know, what there was year? only a 97? 98. So this was uh, February of 98. And for me, it was the worst 21st birthday I think anybody could have. Yeah. 7.03. Yep. 7.03 in the morning on February 23rd, I am stepping on a plane to go to Kuwait for God knows how long. We had no clue how long we were going to be there, what we were doing, anything. At the time, I still smoked, and or I did smoke. And we went, we dropped in Italy, refuel, whatever's. All I wanted to do was have a damn cigarette. I got stuck on weapons watch. Guys, get out of there. We're going to be here for a half hour. Good to go. Somebody come and relieve you, you three in 15 minutes. Good to go. Yeah. 12 minutes later, everybody is rounding back up onto the plane and we're ready to take off. And I'm like, I want to have a cigarette. Nope, we're getting ready to take off. And they're telling me, yeah, we got to have a shot, got to have a beer. I'm like, you motherfuckers. It's my 21st birthday. Really? Well, fuck you all. Uh, some blue falcons right there, man. God damn, big Jesus. giant fucking fuck you, man. <laughs> oh yeah, and then going, of course, to a dry country. Oh my god. And yeah. when we got there, we found out I was um, we were with the IMF, which at that time was under command of General Bowden. Uh, if anybody has any recollection of who he is, he actually was an uh, he did go to space. He's an astronaut, and later on in his career, he did become one of the high, the high guy at the, at NASA and everything. So we ended up going there. Um, and we, we basically took over. I, we were at least a few hours from Doha. I can't remember the name of the place or whatever it was, but we get there and it's the Kuwaiti tank base. And we took over basically a whole section of it and built up perimeters, built up freaking, you know, watchtowers, you know, set up the roadblocks and everything else. And at that time is whenever we were trying to get the inspector, when we were having the inspectors go over to Saddam Hussein's cachet to inspect his nuclear weapons. And we were the ones that were in charge of escorting them over to the border and everything. So we ended up being there for four months and um, came back uh, June of 98. Um, and then I had an opportunity. They were discussing at that time that, rifle coach rifle range coach was going to be a b billet i had already you know i was decided i was going to go ahead and re-up and um i was like yeah sure i don't want to be a recruiter i really didn't have the desire to be a drill instructor so if they're going to make this a b billet why not i'll go be a rifle range coach so from 98 to june june of 2001 i was the rifle range coach at edson range Camp Pendleton, coaching recruits on the rifle. It was later on, right about the time I was a transfer, that they still hadn't, you know, made it a B billet. So I lost that on my B billet. It's like motherfuckers. So I don't, I don't really know what that means, but it kind of sounds like that's the structure for basically career progression. A B billet is a non-deployable 
um, that you, this is your, you're basically like a, a, a TAD type thing. You're yeah, non, sure. you're non-deployable. You're doing this job for the next like two years. So this shit's about to get bad. <clears throat> Oh, is this story it, about to take a turn? <laughs> well, you're around, this is this that's is what around, I was. At. This is probably around what 90, 99, 2000? It was 98, 99, 2000, you yeah. know, 99. You're, you're right around 9 11. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I'm there. Um, was one of the, you know, made sure I got as many experts as I could out of boot camp, you know, and in, into the going into the fleet Marines. And uh, so it's time to, you know, get orders. And they ended up giving me choices. I did not want Hawaii. I heard the horror stories of when you go to Hawaii, everything's expensive as fuck. You're there, especially in the infantry. You don't really have a lot of time to go see the other, you know, bases and everything else. So it's not really a great place for the guy in the infantry to go. Now, if you're admin or any of those other things, yeah, it's a great place to go and, and get time to go see and explore different things. But infantry, really wasn't a you know best place and it was expensive as hell so i was like i send me over to freaking europe somewhere or send me different places and the last thing that was on my list was of course camp lejeune well they sent me to camp lejeune i ended up going to golf company two two poor lords sorry <laughs> so i get over there the golf company two two and it was, I was so pissed off when I checked in, I get there, I took my 30 days, took the box truck, moved from California, drove all the way across, stopped in Ohio, and then went on to Camp Lejeune. Yeah. And when I get in there, a long drive. Oh yeah. Especially in the 26 <laughs> First box of all, truck. Let's oh, just interrupt it. here. 2-2 is a stellar battalion. All right. Stellar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you best. tell that story. <laughs> I, I'll, I, yeah, that, that's it's your story, and I'll let you tell it. <laughs> we are what? So at this point, what rank are you again? I um, I just picked up sergeant. Okay. So I well, let, is let that me, E five E six? Yeah, E five. Okay. So let me <laughs> let me rewind a little bit about the rank history here with me, um, and it'll touch base into the some of the reasons of what certain things are going on in the, in the one business. So whenever I was stationed at security forces, I had ended up making a few mistakes and got busted down from Lance Corporal to PFC. So I picked up Lance Corporal twice when I was in security forces. And then while I was at uh, Ed's Alpha Company 1-5, I was able to pick up corporal, Lance corporal and corporal. And then whenever I was at Edson range, I picked up sergeant. So I'm going over there as a sergeant. Now, mind you, I've been out for a few years and I'm kind of, you know, yeah, I'm the sergeant I'm in charge, but you know, there's some shit that you're like, wait a minute. I am fucking green as hell. I fucking don't remember this shit. I got to get refresher courses and figure out what the fuck I'm doing again. So I get over there. I got there in June, July of 2001. Find out awesome. in August that I am going back to California to 29 Palms to the stumps for CACs. 
Now, CAX <laughs> is also known as combined arms exercise training. It is a fucking terrible time. <laughs> yes. It's fucking awful. It's yeah. uh, combined arms like branches. No, you do. So yeah. it's where you do your training with like tanks and helos and fixed wings. So like you're doing close air like support. Yeah, close air support already. Um, you get like you go to these ranges. So if you're infantry, you go to all these like just kicking the dick ranges and people are like oh that sounds so much fun like no when you have to run range 401 three times in one day you're fucking exhausted that's a fucking terrible time <laughs> yeah it it's it's a freaking it's like oh my god so yeah I, I had to get a crash course and refreshing myself on a lot of things and that, that is not where i wanted to do it at so you can imagine you know the the headache it was being out of the infantry and then getting stuck going to cax as a sergeant you'd be yeah, yeah that's pretty miserable so here's here's your mistake you were in two two you should have just looked at your your third time lance corporal and been like bro you need to give me a refresher so if i know anything about two two there's going to be a guy there who's been lance corporal at least three or four times <laughs> That's, yep. that's the guy who's really leading the platoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sir, I got this. I've been here for seven <laughs> years. You're a Lance Corporal. How is that? Sir, I'll fuck your wife later. Trust me. <laughs> in, in, in the army, it's not really unit specific, but that is a thing. Yeah. The, and usually it's not the guy that's Dude, been. Two, two so is known. Lance Corporal is E4, right? Three. E3. It's the E3 Mafia, man. Lance Cooley Underground. Terminal That's Lance Coley Underground and the E4 Mafia. And we call it the E3 Mafia because it really the Lance Lance Corporals knew what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Like, so, so with the army, two, it's too like it was one, the specialist, which I think the army just got rid of that rank, but it was the E4 Mafia. And you didn't have to wait till they were in E4 for the, the third time. It could just be the second time because I I got demoted in Iraq. So my 21st birthday story is we deployed two months before my 21st birthday. It was a Bush administration 15-month deployment to Iraq. So I turned 21 and 22 before I got to take my 18 days of R&R. &R. So I was I was gone for over a year before I got to come back and enjoy a beer of age. Um, but, but, yeah, when I was deployed, I got demoted. So I was specialist, corporal, sergeant, demoted back to specialist. And after that happened, I checked out. I checked the fuck out. I was like, fuck it. I never, I didn't pick, I never picked up corporal in my time. And I, the day That's after, E4, right? Yeah. The day after IEAS is the day they mailed me my promotion warrant to corporal. You, you told me about that. But yeah. IEAS <laughs> on like January 28th. And that, that corporal citation is for fucking February 1. Oh. Uh. <laughs> like, oh man, that's, that's the Marine Corps for you. But like, I would like, I would pass word. Like, it was funny because like my, I would have like platoon commanders coming to me like, hey, Bally, did you hear this thing? I was like, yeah, I heard about this. And like, you know anything about it? I was like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. This is the word you're going to get passed. And then they'd go and like two hours later they come back and be like so this is what we're doing i'm like lance lance corporal underground knows what's up man <laughs> and my favorite phrase when i was a lance corporal was lance corporal don't know 
like that was my get out of jail free card for anything like like why did you do this lance corporal don't know yep <laughs> i mean that's the two, two that's two two for you that's how they train you <laughs> so you're you're yep. showing up frank you're getting your refresher course yeah the you're, hard way you're getting you're at cax you're getting a refresher live, <laughs> live on the, the ground way. <laughs> <laughs> and um at that time we knew what day we were returning back to freaking Lejeune. We knew that we were returning on September 11th of 2001. Oh, shit. wait, what? So you were, you were slated to be back at Lejeune that day. Yes. Okay. We were guessing we, that didn't happen. No, <laughs> this, is where the, this is where the conspiracy theory kind of checks out to a degree because we were there. We knew we were leaving on September 11th. On September 9th, they came to us and says, hey, uh, changing plans. Everybody needs to get their shit together. Freaking 0430, we're stepping off. We're going to the airport on September 10th. Okay. Whatever. All right, fine. We're leaving a day early. Great. So... We get on the planes in the morning of September 10th. We fly back. We get in late, get everything situated. And of course, at that time, um, if you were a married Marine, you didn't have to come. They didn't have formation until 1300. So you came in in the afternoon. Now, as being the Sergeant of Marines, um, I always had the mentality of get there early, get there, get things situated and be there before everybody else and, you know, be the leader that should be so september 11th i am literally driving through the gate when the radio breaks through about uh not the first towers on fire just like okay what do you what do you mean by so you're you're in your pov yeah is in my pov okay. driving into base okay so as i'm going through the gate you know hear the radio breakthrough you know towers on fire in new york and it's like what the hell and then all of a sudden breaking next thing i know it breaks through that a freaking plane hit the second tower i'm just getting through the gate and then literally as i'm driving through you can see all the freaking guards at the freaking gate scrambling to get everything shut off to shut the gate down it's like what the fuck is happening so i'm just listening to this on the radio in disbelief hauling ass to the barracks get in there and everybody's in the common area just watching the TV, watching the replay of what's happened at, and at the Twin Towers. And we're literally at this point was like, oh, shit. We've got New York. We've got Pennsylvania. we got the Pentagon. We're right in line. It's like, what in the hell is happening next? So we got orders. Everybody went to the armor. We checked out weapons. We were locked and loaded. We were basically locked in a base for about three days and just on, 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 you know, ready to freaking defend our own country right here. It's like shit just got real. Everything that we trained for is now here on our fucking home front. What the hell? Where, you know, after those three days, Cause you said you didn't get out till Oh two. So like, what did that look like? You, you guys just stood by to stood by for a while or. Oh, we were being in two, two is not a good thing. 
when you're in yeah. a not in a stellar unit you're not like the first like that's where you want to be in like fifth reg because fifth reg is probably the one of the first ones to go over yeah and we're sitting there we're getting everything situated we're going with a lot of training and you know debriefs of everything trying to figure out what's going on and all of a sudden it was um it was the mid of 2002 and they were like okay we're getting to we're, we're going to afghanistan it's like all right here we go year later you know and um we we're on a seven mile hike seven mile easy freaking hump now mind you i was the guy that freaking never complained never went to medical always pushed did the stupid shit, you know, at the time you, you didn't go to medical. Yeah. You went to the corner and got Motrin. Um, and I could see the freaking end of the freaking where we were all freaking the five tons and everything else. And all of a sudden I just collapsed. I couldn't feel from my waist down. I was like paralyzed. Um, they stretched me out, got me to freaking medical eight and a half hours later, I was able to finally feel my lower half. And found out that I had two discs deteriorated, one that was pretty much almost herniated, both hip displacements, a radial tear in my lower back. And uh, they sent me out on freaking basically a little bit of medical um, light duty, went through physical therapy and this and that and everything else for a couple of weeks. And I was just like, I'm not, I, I can't do this anymore. I need to go. I need to get back to the unit. I've been in that damn sandbox. I spent four months in Kuwait. I have an understanding. I seen what the freaking, you know, happens over there in Iraq when we're getting inspectors over, understand the culture, understand what's going on. And a half, if not three quarters of the people that's there has never been anywhere except for uh, a Westpac or, a, you know, a deployment to Japan or um, on a Mew or whatever else. And, um, it, it was just, it was, it was like, I had to go. Next thing I know is I go in there, the staff sergeant's like, yeah, the, uh, the master sergeant doesn't want to, doesn't want to send you over. He wants you to, you know, get you sent to another unit so you can get things situated. You, your liability. I'm like, no, I'm going. So I requested to see him. And, uh, we're sitting there, he's going through everything. He wouldn't listen, he wouldn't let me go. And at this time, nobody really wanted to say anything. Now, I was not the guy that really was the full stellar one because if they weren't a captain, I really didn't salute them. Um, as I was on the range at Edson Range, I had a drill instructor that tried to get me to unk a kid because he was extremely smart. He was going in one of the highest intel positions there is in the Marine Corps, and they wanted to unk him. I refused. Drill instructor didn't like it. So I grabbed his campaign cover, switched my pith helmet and walked center line. So I really oh. wasn't. Hmm? You, you know. He just said a lot of words that I don't understand. <laughs> he uh, said a lot of words. I was like, what the fuck? He basically <clears throat> took the cover off the drill instructor and basically fought him. Yeah. Okay. Right. Essentially. Yeah, basically against it. You know, he wanted me to deliberately make the kid not qualify. Yeah, and unk is an unqualification, so you don't pass. Oh, so okay, that makes it, sense. So in order like, to get out of boot camp, you have to unk? qualify on the rifle range. So you have yeah. to go to the rifle range. So he wanted you to do it intentionally? Yeah. Yeah. So with those two things in mind, whenever I'm in front of the master sergeant, 
and they're not letting me go to deploy. I'm the one that called out the master sergeant on his recent transfer from supply to the infantry. And I called him out. I'm like, you know what, master? And I said, it's pretty messed up that you feel the need to transfer supply to the infantry because there's a conflict going on to actually put some ribbons on your chest of your 15 plus year career. Yeah, that Ribbon was the chaser. wrong move. Yeah, that was the wrong thing to say. I've, so, uh, we've, we've seen it before. I mean, uh, like it, in my unit, it was just a bunch of bullshit as far as in Iraq, like lieutenants. I, I wouldn't say they were making up small arms fire, but it's like you would see a crack on the exterior glass of the Humvee and it's just one. Dude, this and is they like would the, get back to base and they would be like, yeah, that was small this, that arms would fire. all the time. So this is a like, cab for everybody. This, it's not even, it's just a like a rock or something. Yeah, they don't care. Got thrown and cracked the glass and they're like, yep, cab. This is like Which is EAS funny because we took IDF that? and they had Corporal Smelts do the fucking paperwork and we got turned down like a motherfucker. We took three fucking rockets and they had me do the paperwork and we got denied like a motherfucker. But these jokers over here, ribbon chasers, as you called them, are like, oh, yeah, you see this tiny little crack? Yeah. We almost died. I would hear, yeah, you'd hear reports of people <laughs> reporting contact constantly. And like, you'd be like, I, I don't hear shit. <laughs> like, I know, like, uh, you're you're pretty close to me. You're about a kilometer away. He said, he said I don't hear shit. And I'd hear on the radio, be like, oh, reporting contact, like, reporting a tick. And you'd be like, I don't hear anything. Are they yeah. using silencers? Like, what, like is, what is this bullshit? Yeah, it's like, new, is this a open new mic? I'm not familiar with. Like it's fucking yeah. lasers and shit. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. there are guys who do that. Yeah. So, so anyway, needless to say, it was uh, disrespecting to a staff NCO, a senior staff NCO, and um, he basically read me the riot act, and I had a choice of either stay there, him make my life hell bust me down in rank, take some pay and make my last year a living hell. Or I choose to go sit in S3 and get an honorable discharge with an RE of four without ever having a chance to reenlist and yeah. get out. I had two small kids. Yeah. So I chose the early six months out and got my honorable discharge. Yeah, that's shit. I mean, the, the I don't think people really truly understand. Like, once you get to a certain level, the politics that's involved in the military, like anything gunny or above in the Marine Corps, is really well, I was going to say, old I, boys network. I mean, I it feel is a, like it is a good old boys network. Like, yeah, if you I'm, are not good at networking, you will not become a gunnery sergeant or go further. Yeah. I feel like in the Marines, it's a lot, you know, the level that you reach that is a lot lower than in the army, just because in the army for like, say, staff sergeant. So and and that's one reason why in the army, it's E4 mafia, because everything up to E4 is automatic, like where you say you got out and you got that mailed to you uh, in the army, you can get to specialists as long as you just don't fuck up. But to get the sergeant, you actually have to put in effort, go to a board, qualify, get points, 
make sure you meet points and that's shit the, like that. That's so, the same. So, but but from sergeant to staff sergeant, that is a uh, there's there's a term for it. But those promotions are based solely off of merit. Yes. So you put together your packet, you go to the board, you perform. They give you a score, and then you qualify for promotion. Whereas uh, promotion to sergeant first class, your packet goes before a board that you don't see, and it is a, I believe they call it a, a centralized promotion or something like that. So it's basically like the Army has this many sergeants first class. We need this many. These are the top guys yeah, that's they essentially the what happens in the marines so but. that's where this is sergeant first class in the army is where the politics really kick in and i say that because i got a buddy that retired as a staff sergeant that i was like hey when are you going to get your sergeant so, first class and he was like i have pissed off way too because the people reviewing the packets to decide who gets that promotion were all the people he had come in the army with so if you get so it really kind of starts at gunny so if at least when I was in the rumor, well, what I was told, I don't know if it was a rumor or not, was if you didn't get staff NCO within eight years, like if you, if you went, if you tried to reenlist after eight years and you weren't a staff, you weren't going to be up, they were going to deny your reenlistment. Um, we would have cutting scores. So, like to go from Lance Corporal to Corporal when i was in the cutting score was something ungodly high it was like 1300 which yeah, was yeah. almost impossible to get like that meant you had to run a first class pft get no. almost a perfect rifle yeah. range score your pro con marks had to be fucking yeah. perfect you like had it have was, all the mcis done you had to have all seven mcis <laughs> done yeah like it was all, it was next to impossible because they would just look and go if you're in the infantry we need x amount of corporals so we don't need that many corporals because yeah. we're fighting in two wars right now yeah. we've got plenty so we're just going to set the cutting score at like 1350 yeah whereas like i knew a guy who was uh he he was his mos was a dude who he ended up doing msg but he his uh, primary MLS was loading rockets onto helicopters. He was a sergeant within two two and a half three years of graduating boot camp. No, in his first enlistment, it works. His cutting score to yeah. go from Lance Corporal to Corporal was like two fifty. Yeah, it works. It works the same in the army. Yeah, when they needed the 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 we call them cut off scores. Yeah, same fucking thing. Uh, it, it's super low, and when they don't, it's super fucking high. I think the max is like eight hundred. It's fucking ridiculous, but it's like I because I told you I got demoted. So I got sergeant. I got demoted in Iraq. Then I went to Germany. And when I PCS to Germany, I got there as a specialist with two or three other specialists. And uh, this one guy was like all upset because I was going to the board. And then I when I went to the board, I got pinned the very next month. And I'm like, you don't understand. The reason I'm able to make points is because I've been in for so fucking long. Like, yeah. I've already been this rank once before. So, so I'm not saying, like, I, I earned it over the next guy. I'm saying, like, all the college, all the correspondence right. courses, everything I had to do to make this rank, I've already done once before. And he was he was so mad that I got promoted to E5 before him. And I was like, 
just focus on yourself you dude. could you could get meritoriously promoted outside of a cutting score yeah but to give you kind of an idea i dropped to two two with about 75 guys from boot camp like mm -hmm. from boot camp soi like well really from soi i dropped it was like the largest boot drop that they had had at two two in years it was like 70 something guys between essentially four companies and we all kind of dropped together out of those 80 guys i maybe knew two of them who got ended up in the four years that we were into too got meritorious corporal so that's like that's where you don't get the cutting score you go up on a yeah. board like what you were saying yeah and they like we deem you kind of ominous dominus so so know, we've got a corporal so so frank i'm on live and we've got a marine and first of all she's upset about the title that i put because i put crayons ready to eat but she doesn't know what you do uh number one uh so he turned into the skin oh, the second did. question was who was that that was bogner but she knows who that is ginger i don't know ginger anyway so just very briefly the whole purpose of us having you on is because you're a marine who went full marine <laughs> he, no i call it he would. this is probably the smartest man you'll ever meet because he turned into the skid <laughs> he's like you took you took the what joke marines that was like. made fun of for us what so what 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 did you end up doing after the marine corps where where are you now so when i got out of the marine corps going through divorce, getting custody of my kids, working jobs, making ends meet, trying to figure out the transition. It was the shittiest transition anybody can have. Mm. So we go through dealing with, you know, custody, taking care of kids, relationships, failing, everything else. And I decided in February, 2013, that because when I got out, I went back to Ohio, um, was just no family, wasn't you know tired of the cold weather my body was just too beat up it couldn't handle the cold weather too anymore so i decided single dad two teenage kids i came out here to california four thousand dollars in my name no job no vehicle didn't know anybody nothing landed here and i'm here nine years later um mm -hmm. after working in corporate america again going and working at o'reilly auto parts changing jobs going to work in a hydraulic hose company I just, I felt that there was something I needed to do for me. My kids were older. It's time for me to get myself in focus and get myself in check because I went through a little bit of a, you know, kind of a, almost a downward spiral, um, but not showing it to my kids. And um, I'm like, I grew up doing woodworking back in Ohio, working on the farms and took wood shop in high school. And it was just something that I enjoyed doing. So I decided cashed out my 401k, went and bought $3,000 of woodworking tools online, old tools, everything else, and started my woodworking business. Started Kamikaze Woodworks. Now, being from the backwoods of Ohio, we don't spell the greatest, and my grammar ain't that great as well, and I have plenty of isms. So I spelt works W-E-R-K-S, right? Now, if anybody caught anything through my time of getting into the Marine Corps, which I was on a plane on June 6th, going to Paris Island on June 7th. Can you tell me what happened on June 6th? A little bit of knowledge test here. June, June 6th is D-Day. Normandy, exactly. 1944. 
boom history smart shit what up now go ahead i got out on december 7th oh my god (laughs) what was december 7th pearl Pearl Harbor. harbor yeah now i told you my birthday was on february 23rd what's february 23rd your birthday for history oh well he's gonna know that oh me. shit is that i don't know is that chosen no no what is he that? said marine corps history i'm trying to yeah. rack my brain I've got, I've got three marines here and i don't have an answer let's see if anybody answers it <laughs> infamous it's infamous what is i'm trying to go through all the big dates no spreckensy flag raising evo <laughs> oh shit really yeah <laughs> why do i not know that date that's it is up. that is february that's fucked up there's a lot of dates in the marine he Corps said flag raising evo 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 <laughs> you mentioned flag raising danny marine flag raising like evo. Like, <laughs> i mean it's so, what submitted the marine may, i mentioned flag raising to the fucking army and we're like you mean like colors like reveille <laughs> and retreat uh, no, I mean that's that's the flag raising on Paris, Paris Island, <laughs> Paris Island, and I think it's out in Pendleton too. Is the World War II monument, which is a bronze statue of the raising of the the flag at Iwo Jima. Exactly. So that's where I developed the name Kamikaze Woodworks. Um, just based on all the dates and, and around me and everything else. So. I ended up, I was heavily involved in my kids' activities. My daughter was in choir. My son was in band. My son was dating a girl that was in color guard. So they needed somebody to build props. Of course, I had the tools. I had the knowledge. I would build props. Now, I was just getting into the social media a little bit more because I originally only had it to keep an eye on my kids, see what they were doing, what they were, you know, keeping a track on them because... When I was younger, we didn't have the interweb or the internet or cell phones or anything to find out what we did. We had a community and we had a village that freaking kept our asses in freaking check and found out everything that we did and got it related to everybody that was directly involved to punish us. So I'm glad I didn't have cell phones when I was younger. Yeah, because that would have been bad juju. But um, so I started noticing and getting because I had this business and I got into veteran, you know, oriented groups and things of that. And I started seeing this crayon eater thing. And I'm like, all right, whatever's okay. I, I was never called a crayon eater. I had no clue. I was like, I was a jarhead. I was a devil It is dog, a relatively new, new phenomenon. It I mean, it wasn't even around when I was in. Like no one came up to me like, oh, I heard you're a crayon eater. If I'd have been like, what I, the I fuck think, are you yeah, talking about? No, you're a hundred percent right. Because when I was in the army down at Fort Polk and we went to the club down in Lake Charles uh, because of my haircut and some civilian that didn't know what she was talking about. She called me a jarhead. So jarhead's been around forever. Yeah. That's you. That's me. Jarhead. Devil dog. But the crayon eater, I feel like crayon eater. Crayon eater is something that like the Gen Z guys came up with. I but, think I but don't I know would where say, it came from. Like, I have no idea. Like people have had to explain it to me. Like I know when someone I feel like maybe I didn't I'm like, okay, you're referring to me as a Marine. I get yeah. that. I have no idea when that started. It I started feel like after I got out. Well, I'm, I'm it might have started before I got out. But I didn't hear it. I don't think I heard it until I got out. 
I didn't hear so, it which until was, like which 2000, was 2015. I didn't so, hear it until like 2015, 2016. And that was like for me, it was about 2016, <laughs> 2017 for me because I was just getting into social media. It's like, and, welcome to Facebook, Frank. You're a crayon eater. What? Yeah. Exactly. What are you talking so, about? What does, that, what does that mean? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever. You know, I'm like, okay, it's got to be something. The fact that, like I said, some of the stories that I had already talked about. And if you look at how we joke in the military, there is an acronym about us Marines that Marine stands for muscles are required, intelligence not essential. <laughs> That's one of them. Uh, my favorite was That's always my favorite. My favorite was always my ass rides in Navy equipment. <laughs> and we thank the Navy for creating Uber because of that one. Yeah, that's true. Navy is the first. What, Uber. what did you it's say? OG Uber. Mus muscles are required. Muscles are required. Intelligence not essential. Yeah. Muscles are required. Intelligence not essential. <laughs> so I'm going through this oh, and Christ. I'm I'm asked in June of 2017 by the local color guard to actually build a giant picture frame. And so they wanted to jump in and out of it. So because of my art background, I knew that taking a piece of plywood, putting paper, because I blew a giant frame up on multiple sheets of paper, glued it on there. If I was to use markers, they were going to bleed and they weren't going to look the same. Paint was just going to end up destroying the paper and not work very well and look all crap. Watercolors just wasn't going to pop. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out and buy a bunch of crayons, keep them all the same color, cut out the shape of the frame, use the crayons, color them in and everything else. So I'm sitting there, I change colors and I put a crayon in my mouth while I was coloring with the other one. And I started gnawing on this damn thing. And I'm like, maybe there's something to this crayon eater nonsense. So from June to August, I am like dove in, dove in, and was like, maybe there's something to this. So I started to research and looking. I found memes. I found videos of Marines actually eating crayons. I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, fine. We're crayon yeah, that, that checks out. Yeah, it became a huge, I had like, I, I no, it's like nowhere. It became a huge thing. So, so the biggest, dumbest fucking thing that I've ever known Marines to do and you both probably know about this was around 05 to 07 on deployment. They had thrown a puppy over a cliff and recorded it on video. And that's was an army guy. No, I, oh, it was, I never heard. It that. was a Marine. It was a Marine. And that's bridge. Yeah. Not, a, it wasn't a bridge. It was like a cliff. I saw the, and one that's the, the army first guy threw it off the bridge. And the reason I think it was 07 is because it was YouTube. Yeah. YouTube had just come out. I remember the video. And but that's I the first that video that I am aware of that they took that shit down. I, thought, so I swear quick. to God, that was an army guy off the bridge. Because we were because I saw it when I was in Iraq. And I was like, that is some bullshit. But he was he had the big shoulder pad things that you guys used to have. The armor that was like covered like half of your arm. The, the video you're you're talking about the shoulder daps. Those, yes, we gunners wore them, but that was pretty much it. But the the one video that I'm thinking of is it was two Marines. No, this there was, was one a puppy, guy. and well, I'm pretty sure one was holding the camera, but he threw it over the cliff, 
and the world went to fucking shit. I remember like, when, the, when the Marine snipers shit. pissed on the dead Taliban guy, and everybody was like, ah, that's terrible. And I was like, really? That's that's where that's we draw the line? line? That's the line we're hey, crossing here? The Marine Corps is the only branch that PETA has actually <laughs> sent an official letter to tell us to cease and desist and stop cruelty to an animal. Uh, who who sent you that? PETA. PETA sent it to the Marine Corps. So the story I was telling you earlier <laughs> about my my corpsman about coming up. So we were sent, we were at Combat Town in Lejeune. We were at Combat Town in Lejeune, and there was this giant. So Combat Town is a basically a bombed out village that they've set up different training scenarios in. So there's power running to it, like they have lights in certain places and whatever. So we were waiting for transport for Motor T, as one does. Um, and how else do you get transported except <laughs> waiting waiting so we're standing around this big industrial fan i mean it's like june or july in camp lejeune so we turn on this giant industrial fan and it's facing up and we're just like standing near it because it's blowing air and it's cooling us down and someone picks up like some kind of piece of debris oh, off the ground and drops it into this giant industrial fan and of course shatters and then another marine goes we need to find like a bug. So someone found a, but like a, a, like a roach or something like cockroach or something and like threw it in there and it, it exploded. And then someone's like, shit, dude, let's find a lizard. And then we went and found a lizard, dropped it in there. And I'm like, we, here we are just like dropping live animals into. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. that's not what got Peter to freaking send us the letter. No, I know it's not. Cause we would not put that shit on social media. <laughs> it was the, uh, cobra gold exercise that recon is it i think does whenever they drink the cobra blood oh yeah 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 yeah. out and yeah when they're in in indonesia training yeah they're out there thailand somewhere yeah thailand Mm -hmm. yeah so video (laughs) kill a cobra and drink the blood with the with their counterparts who are they're out there training with so you're so frank you're sitting here chewing on crayons going there's got to be something to this and you look it up and you find out that the rest I've, of the world has deemed Marines crayon eaters. Yes. So in the mix of my search, I found a company out of Singapore that said they made chocolate crayons, but huh. they took out the scent and taste of chocolate, took out sugar to deter children from eating them. And they had no proof that they actually colored. So I'm like, no, I want people to eat this shit. I want to make the freaking first edible colorable chocolate crayon. I want people to eat this shit and I want to bring this joke to reality. Now, I know nothing about chocolate, mind you. I'm a freaking blue collar parts guy, woodworker, you know, doing, you know, things with my hands, everything else. And I'm like, I want this to be a reality. You do. There you go. Uh, So I'm freaking going through this and i'm like i remembered because i had my mental rolodex now those of you that don't know what a rolodex is and you just heard that go look it up it's what us old school used for many years <laughs> in our lives. a contacts so, list it's a basically an old school <laughs> contacts list on index cards <laughs> like he said rolodex like back in 95 when he dropped to the fleet and they would go to the px and get some vhs's they just called them movies back then. You know why do you gotta why do you gotta just why you gotta why you gotta be like that, bro? 
What are you talking about? Me and you are the same generation. He's the one that had to go to Blockbuster. I went yes. to Blockbuster. I went to Blockbuster in 2013 <laughs> at ALC when they were closing. No, I got like I 30 DVDs for like a dollar. And like, because they used to be able to rent game consoles as a kid. And I could go and rent like a Super Nintendo. I'll, I'll age myself. I yeah, but he was own. he was in the Marines. He was in when he had to do that shit. Yeah. Yes, like I, I rented VHSs all the time as a kid, but I graduated high school in 2004. So yeah, I graduated in '95. He was already in. He, he was, was already in the shit, and it was like <laughs> like me and you. In he had 2000, been out for two years by the time you graduated for high school. Look, in, exactly. in two, yeah, in 2007. Okay, when I was deployed, YouTube came out, and if we wanted to watch something on the internet, we could just go to YouTube. He had to walk across the street to the bazaar and buy a fucking VHS player. The VHS movie of what he wanted was Haji still ripping off uh, movies back then. Um, no, I think Napster came later on. No, I mean, where the like when I was deployed. They would just sit in the back of the theater with a camera and then burn that shit to DVD. Dude, we didn't even have cell phones. I'm just saying. Until later on down the road, they had that capable stuff. But did they sell VHS in Kuwait? Like He's asking about bootleg VHS days. Did they bootleg I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. I was stuck in there. We didn't go nowhere, out town, nothing. We literally, what VX had, what what the, the, basically the, mobile px the what food truck version of the px yeah. had on the damn thing it's a quad, yeah it's a quad kind. so yeah. this is where the difference between the army and the marine corps is is that like when i was in iraq if i went out on the town there it was like it was a patrol well like, there was a yeah but guys did as a no, security patrol to go to the bazaar. that is 100 percent correct when i say bizarre like it wasn't like it I was on like post control. yeah it was no, inside the wire we didn't have that yeah i mean you did because there were Marines there, but you would have had to be on VBC. Like, in, in <laughs> infantry Marines don't have... So this is where the big difference is. Like, this is where, like, when I deployed to Afghanistan, Nicole would get told by people she knew that, oh, he has access to all of this great stuff. And even my mom got told it. Like, all my family was like, oh, he has... Because my my so-and-so was in the army and can, like, call home and can video chat and can do all this. And, like, they would have to go, yeah, that's the difference between the army and the Marines. We The Marine Corps doesn't have that kind of stuff. The Marine like, Corps... But, but you do in a sense that you went through the same airport to get in and out of Iraq as I did. No. Well, we went through Kuwait. Biop. Sather no. Air Base. No, you didn't go through Biop. No, I went through Al Assad. Al Assad. Al Assad up north northwestern Iraq. Alan Barbara. We went down into Doha. Whenever I was there, we went Al Assad. We went down into Doha for a moment, and then we freaking convoyed out to our final destination. See, see, I thought everybody that flew in and out of Iraq had to go through Biop at a minimum. You're talking about flying into Kuwait. No, uh, Kuwait no. was uh, no, Ali also Germany to Kuwait, Kuwait to El Assad, El Assad, yeah, convoy down to where we wanted to be in Iraq. Huh. I never touched foot in an army base 
El Assad was a Marine base. Bi Biop is not an army base. Biop is the civilian side. Of, it's by Baghdad International Airport. Never saw Baghdad. No, nope. we were Did not I was in Kuwait City. Yeah. And, and that's the only reason I say that, because yeah, so that, you, you say the difference between army and Marines. There were still Marines there. Well, there yeah. were plenty of Marines there. There probably yeah. were, but they weren't. But we those were, Marines were on VBC or pugs. on a pad or, or Liberty. They were pokes. Use the, use the terminology. Yeah, it's okay. Yep. They it's were pokes. Say it. Say it. You know, it, does, you it doesn't bother me. Come over to the dark side. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> if, if a pogue means that, you know, my deployment was 15 months, I ran dead op missions in and outside the wire. You're not a pogue, right? No. You were there for six months. I was there for seven, seven and a half. Okay. But I lived in a, I lived in a connex. Like, okay. So now we're just, so a pogue, I'm not, just saying a pogue can I last a, twice as long in an austere environment. Yeah, no, you weren't in an austere environment. You would not have lasted 15 months in the environment that I lasted six months at, but I, I didn't did. have technology, but I, I had a, I lived in a connex box. That was like the greatest thing ever was a connex box. And then it was like, Oh, cool like i wasn't on some big base i didn't have hot chow no i didn't have any of that you i didn't get to go somewhere MREs all like, the time yeah that was my life go stand post go out on patrol come back to your connex box that is basically a metal 10 in june of iraq and sleep yeah. in it 140 some degree weathers yeah and then get up and go and like get up eat whatever shitty food we can find for you Hoping and, and praying to go God back out on patrol again. Hoping and praying. I mean, I don't. I don't the know what the and get your ass. Yeah, I don't know what these Marines did, but when you think of VBC, you know, VBC is kind of like the Sam Houston or the Fort Hood of Iraq. So it's not just Army. I saw Army, Air Force, right. Navy. Like I got in trouble one time because there was this girl coming to the compound trying to talk to me. See. And, and it's saying, oh, we're having a birthday party at such and such afterwards or whatever. You should come. And I made a joke to her. She was like, oh, I don't want to walk all the way around. And I was like, ha, 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 LOL, aim high Air Force. And she was Navy. Yeah, see, I didn't have those acronyms. We didn't have LOL. We didn't have ha, ha, ha's. We didn't have nothing. I had no cell phone. So you're, you're also going to understand for me when my time was over there, I have a J. He had cups and strings. Okay, I while my while I was there, I received the J. Muck, but there is no foreign sea service on my DD two fourteen. What the fuck? Are you serious? Yes, a hundred percent. Hold on, I got a I got a whole slew of other questions. Wait, so you deployed from the sounds of it two three times now? What are you Twice. in Okinawa? Okay. And, and you've got bit. no recognition of foreign service on your DD two fourteen. When you go to the when you go to Okinawa, it's not a foreign sea service. You're not over there doing anything. It's just a training it's evolution. A You're there. It's a duty station. Yeah, it's a duty station. It's now, whenever I went to Kuwait, we were but there still. doing something that we were not supposed to be doing, 
And there's a lot of things that's on in, in my SRB, a headquarters Marine Corps that is redacted, that is sealed because of what we were doing and when we were over there. So I literally have zero foreign sea service, but I have this thing, it's called a JMUC. And if anybody understands what a JMUC is, is a joint meritorious unit citation. Means I worked with foreign, you know, other foreign um, troops. Yeah, we didn't have, I think they got rid of, so I'm trying to remember my ribbons. I had, oh, he's dropping stuff. Um, so I got my national call to service, right? My national defense ribbon, which everybody got right out of boot camp. And then I got my global war on terror because I served during the global war on terror. Didn't get that. Um, I think that came out in like 03. Yeah, something like that, possibly. So, so yeah, and then when I deployed to Iraq, yeah, I got the Sea Service ribbon. It's not even a medal; I think it's just a ribbon. I have to pull up my ribbons. I don't even know. Um, you got the Sea Service, and then you got your campaign medal, and then you got I got another Sea Service with another campaign medal in my 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 car when I was in Afghanistan. So those were all the ones I got. So it was just a C service ribbon. You didn't get this. They didn't let you get the C service. Nope. That's some bullshit. I'd write my congressman. Well, we weren't supposed to be there technically. No, but still some bullshit. No. Because you you have to be deployed. You have to be overseas for like ninety plus days, I think, to get your C service. We were there from February twenty third to June twentieth. Yeah, you should have gotten a sea service. Exactly. Should have. That's some bullshit. Mm-hmm. I, that is some bullshit, no man. No foreign sea service on my freaking DD-214. Nothing. Damn. That sucks, man. <laughs> so the truce of people saying that they were deployed and they have no foreign sea service is a fact. It has happened. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. I know guys who got sea service just for going on a mew. Like they didn't actually go into country somewhere. They just floated around the Mediterranean and got a sea service. Didn't get it. They also got their shellback cards, which, you know, I'm like, yeah, sounds like kind of like fun. I didn't get that neither. But um, to go back to the uh, mental Rolodex situation, um, we, uh, I, I knew because whenever I was worked at O'Reilly's, I, I took over as store manager when the store manager was leaving and I took over store manager. And this team member brought in these amazing peanut butter truffles, better than any Reese cup that I've ever tried in my life. And that was in the mental Rolodex, finding out that she had went to school to be a pastry chef for a few semesters. She loved to bake, she loved to cook, she loved to make things and everything else. So when I thought of this idea, she was the first person that I reached out to that it had to be out of chocolate to bring this joke of calling us Marines crayon to reality. So I called her. I'm like, have you ever made colored chocolate? Right. She's like, no. I'm like, do you think you could give it a shot? Now, the reason I asked her was one. Yeah. Because she had the, the experience of going to school for a few semesters but I knew her work ethic. I knew what she was able to do. She was always on time. She freaking, 
had her shit together. She was a phenomenal team member, great customer service and everything else. And her dad was an army airborne veteran. So she was raised in the military aspect to a degree. She's the dependent. And so asked her, she said, I will try. Two weeks later, she's actually sending me a video of her actually making chocolate right. Awesome. September so, of 2017. So your crayons actually, you can like pick them up and actually color and then eat them. Yes. Oh my God. That is, that is, that is, <laughs> my mouth is literally like watering right now. Oh my God. So we spent end of 2017 into 2018. Uh, I was working the woodworking. She was working full time. Um, coming up with a way to figure out how we can make this a unique ordeal. Figured out, we figured out the right color schemes, the right recipes to make a vibrant colors. We found the perfect mold that set us aside and different than your traditional crayons. Now, at this point in time, I didn't really have a name for it. And I had met a couple of guys on social media. And this was when Zoom first came out, really. And we were getting involved. And I met a guy named Matt with Praetorian Ventures. If you don't know who he is, he basically took the Lucille Bats and made them to a live reality. Um, and met a few other guys that we just would jump on Zoom videos and just shoot the crap. <clears throat> and one of the guys on there, his name was John. His handle was uh, PewSwitch on uh, Instagram and everything. And we were talking. And just a week before I had told these guys about this, one of the guys on there actually ate an MRE. And um, we were talking. And he was like, dude, you should really name it Crayons Ready to Eat. Hell yeah. I'm like, perfect emulated after the meal is ready to eat so now i have an idea for the packaging so i went and took the mre design from my era looked at all the research figured out how i can manipulate it so it didn't look like it but it appeared similar to it and did this in that time frame i had met the marine rapper raymond lott um on social media i had made him a 21 inch wooden crayon that I wrote grunt fuel on it. And I'd also made him a California shaped with a bulldog bottle opener to hang on his wall or whatever. So I met him on social media. He was down here in San Diego. He launched, um, brought the program of bunker labs down here to San Diego. So I come down and talk to him. Me and my son go down there, drop this off, and we're talking. And he's like, you got to have something else going on. What are you doing? I'm like, oh, I got this idea of turning the Marine Corps, the, the joke of calling us Marines crayon eaters into a reality. And he was like, wait a minute, what? Wait, say that again. So I told him, explained it to him. And he literally invited me down to their monthly or their weekly, weekly or monthly get-togethers where they have all the entrepreneur, the entrepreneurs that are in this cohort that they meet and talk and wanted me to pitch my business. I'm like, dude, it ain't even a business yet. I have got nothing. I have no clue what I'm doing. He's like, just come down, tell everybody what you got going on. I'm like, all right, fine. Here we go. 
So I called Cassandra. I said, Cassandra, we need to make a bunch of crayons. I've got this opportunity. We're here to able to test it outside of us, outside of our family, and see if it's a real hit. So we made a bunch of them. In that time period, I would also attended their networking event. And I met Mike Sowers and Samantha um, Bonilla of Forged Clothing. And I'm sitting there waiting to show Raymond these crayons to give him an idea of it before I go to this meeting. And Samantha tells Mike, hey, I need you to remind me to pick up crayons for our next photo shoot. And I'm like, fuck it, here we go. I'm like, why do you need crayons for a photo shoot? She's like, well, I'm a Marine and I get always commented on my post. How could a Marine, how could a crayon eater be so hot? You know, how could a crayon eater be a model and, and this and that and everything else? And so I'm gonna, I wanna do something with them. I said, well, what if I told you I had something better than a traditional crayon? And I actually had a crayon that you could actually eat and taste good. I pulled them out of the bag. I was like, here, give it a try. I had these little coloring sheets that I printed off and I was like, here you go. She started coloring that literally no hesitation, nothing. She bit into it and she loved it. And she was like, I need some of these. I'm like, well, Raymond wants, I'm showing here to show Raymond, talk to him. And I'm coming in a couple of weeks to your guys' ordeal. I'll bring some then. So Raymond tries them. He likes it, gets a kick out of it. So now I'm getting everything geared up on September 10th or 9th or 10th. I created our, of 2018, I created our social media, our Facebook and our Instagram. I went and bought the domain name crayons ready to eat, figured out how to use WordPress through a WordPress site up and just threw some shit up there and played around with Photoshop and created our first image of the packaging that we, our first generation idea. That was the first post on social media. Then I go into this meeting, tell them whatever. They try it. They enjoy it. They love it. And by the time I left that meeting, our Instagram went from 11 people following us to almost 200 people within a few hours time period. They're sharing it. They're sending it to their friends, everything else. It was like, we're onto something here. So we proof of concept it tastes good it actually colors phenomenally and we did what we wanted to do was set the differential now our crayons are triangle shaped multiple reasons kids hands and most of us that actually you know are artistically inclined or you know that are slow a little bit our hands naturally curve to a triangle and it's easier to hold an object Two, it's triangle shaped, it's flat. You don't lose your food. It's not gonna roll off the table like a traditional crayon. Third and most importantly is not only is it triangle, but it has two points on each end, which allows you to color and eat it at the same time if you feel nibble on it. But the main thing is, the main thing is we wanted the higher ranking officials to tell the lower ranking officials of the military, as well as parents to decipher the children's our crayons are perfectly safe unless you are allergic to chocolate to eat and the round ones are not. And those of you that have kids, you know what a crayon looks like coming out in the back end. So 
one of the things that I so I've heard about crayons ready to eat for and I don't have I, I don't have social media at all. I don't have a, a presence there, but I've heard about people being like, have you heard of crowns ready to eat? And I'm like, no, I've not heard of this. And people start showing me what what they are. And it's and I've been like, whoever did this is a fucking genius because and I mean, we're, we have him here now. I mean, I'm because I was just like the fucking genius. The fucking genius. <laughs> I mean, like I've show people, like I've I've shown people it, and they're like, I'm buying the, uh, you know, I've got a good friend of mine who's like cousin or something is a marine, and they always do like gag gifts for Christmas or whatever, and she was like, I am buying this for his Christmas gift, and I was like, I was like, fuck yeah, he'll love it, and then he'll be able to eat it, and then live into the joke, you know, and like, I like, it's it's amazing to me that you were able to go from concept to design and have a actual crayon that that actually colors and that you can eat i, re I remember in two around 2018 he says he put up his first post i don't know if i saw the first one or the second one but i've known raymond lot on social media for a long time i've bought like two of his albums um i've met we met David Johnson of the David Johnson show. He had the Marine rapper on there and we're all part of the veteran community, but I stumbled across crayons ready to eat. And I was like, this is the greatest like, idea it really is ever period. Yeah. You're a little bit muffled. It sounds like your mic's kind of down or off or something like that. I can barely catch you when you're talking, but, um, so when 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 we launched we we decided to do something that we didn't know what we were doing we just jumped into the food industry yeah i had no clue what there we go that's better um had no clue what we were doing we already proved the concept it's like all right here we go and we decided to ship our product launch it online and go ahead and ship it Yep. and we just had them in wrapped in wax paper and <laughs> in ziploc bags with the, just the print out of the cover at this time samantha and about five other marine female marine models and an air force model got our crayons and went and did their own video and literally that video got shared so many places so many times between chug for vets freaking all these other things that that video literally went viral within a matter of a week. And that's when we decided to go ahead. We're going to try to do this shipping thing a week. And then about the eighth day that we were online shipping, we get a phone call from the County of San Diego telling us um, we need to stop all sales. We need to take our website down. We're in violation about eight or nine different things. And Jesus. we were on the verge of being fined almost $10,000. Oh, yeah. For what? I, I, so I never saw that they were shipping, but I saw that it was like, oh, we're not able to ship just yet. I was like, come on. I want to fucking order some. So I'm guessing there's some like food safety stuff <laughs> going on. Oh, yeah. You need a health permit. You need a, if, 
if you're to ship your product, you need a manufacturing certification, you need a CF21 certification. It has to be produced in an FDA approved kitchen. You have FDA approved packaging, this, that, all kinds of things. And we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> Luckily, the lady at the, uh, the director at the county was gracious enough to not find us and give us a warning and walked us through the steps to get what is called our cottage food permit. Now, at this time, we had met Flossie Hall at a networking event called Clever Talks, where we also met Stephen Coons um, and a bunch of other people. And we, once we found out we needed to do the cottage, fit, cottage food permit, we learned that Flossie had started a group uh, food business called Healthy Mama. So she understood what we needed to do and she gave us some guidance in going through the application process. So in March of 2019, we actually received our cottage food permit, which allowed us to produce the chocolates out of my kitchen and only sell them locally here in San Diego. Now, from March of 2019 to the end of 2019, we had about nine different networking events between Irreverent Warriors, um I, a couple of movie Warriors premieres. Is a great organization yeah you know. yeah a couple movie premiere uh one guy had a movie premiere that he was doing um and we were able to have a booth there and everything else so we were able to highlight our product um i was doing the woodworking still that was my full-time gig and all of a sudden in february of 2020 or january time of february christmas time 2019 I noticed a decline in my woodworking and I was like, I, I got to freaking do something to make sure I'm paying the bills. So January, February, I started looking for part-time work. Um, O'Reilly's found out that I was looking for work and offered me to come back and work for them. So February of 2020, I went back to work for them and we were still doing the things and our cottage food permit was due to be renewed in March of 2020. All of a sudden, COVID hits, and the county's not issuing health permits. They're not reissuing the cottage food permits till they figure out the standards or what needs to be done. Uh, businesses are getting shut down. I'm just grateful that I had a job to be able to pay my bills. And the automotive industry was still doing very well through 2020. Um, we fast forward to where we're just kind of dormant. We're not doing much we're not posting anything all of our content is from 2019 at all the networking events that we attended getting live footage raw video from people trying our products and everything and 2021 hits in february i actually come down with covid myself and then there's this app that came out called clubhouse and i jump on the clubhouse and there i'm meeting people that I never even would have imagined that I was going to meet. I met Joey Mack of the Mobile Cigar Lounge, who's a Marine. And nice. he started talking about structure of the business. We were just a local partnership. We ended up launching into become an LLC in February of 2021. Also, I met the co-founder of Fund the First named Robert Garland on Clubhouse. Fund the First is the first of its kind crowdfunding platform that gives it the opportunity to never have a 
scam crowdfunding for a fallen soldier, fallen officer. They are first responder, military oriented, and they use ID me to verify who you are. So you can go on there, do a crowdfunding for raising money for somebody in a hospital or somebody that, you know, a, a troop, an officer, a soldier, Marine, anybody that passed away to help the families out. But they also have like a Kickstarter section, which is a business venture where you can do tiers on it. So we decided to launch a crowdfunding campaign because we lost that whole year of actually being able to go and build capital, attending farmers markets, getting into different organizations and things like that to sell our product more. So we decided to go the crowdfunding route. And I think that's one thing you, that, that brought you back to the surface on my radar because I was like... Like I had done crowdfunding to get my warehouse set up years ago. And I was told, oh, it's not going to work because it's a service-based industry or this, that, or the third. And I saw you guys doing it and, and it was really taken off. I was like, well, they're hitting their goals and they're able to do X, Y, and Z. So that, that gave me more encouragement as well. Well, I'm glad that we were able to do that for you. I, I think I just think it's interesting how you know most of the time crowdfunding centers around a specific say a product you know a, a lot of times it's like technology or it's a game or something like that and you guys were able to do it in a sense of you know expanding your operation yeah and one of the great things about fun the first is is compared to your traditional crowdfunding platforms you have to make your goal. If you don't meet that goal that you set, you don't get your money. With Fund the First, what they do is every 30 days, I can request funds. Whatever funds we raised, I can get a payout and then I can start putting that back into the business. We were able to change our, move our website over to Shopify, which gave us a better, you know, check, you know, process. We started adding additional products. We started adding our, um, we already had our t-shirts. So we went with our t-shirts. We started adding stickers of our Lance Corporal Crunch. Now Lance Corporal Crunch is our official mascot. Sounds delicious. by the way. <laughs> Sorry. So if you go to our website or social media, you'll see Lance Corporal Crunch there. And he was derived by reaching out to a veteran artist and saying, Hey, we need a, we need a, we need something to identify us. And he has to be a Lance Corporal. He has to be eating our crayons. You have free reign. So we, he came up with Lance Corporal Crunch. And one of the main reasons his name is Lance Corporal Crunch, if any of those in the military know what tankers are called, they're called crunchies. So he became Lance Corporal Crunch. I was a Lance Corporal twice, so he had to be a Lance Corporal rank. And we came out with Lance Corporal. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go no. ahead. Go ahead. Um, have you heard of Terminal Lance at all? The, the yes. comic strip? Are, are you in, Are you with them at all by any no, chance? I, I just not I, when you in... said Terminal Lance and everything, I'm like, that would be a great outsource, I think, for you guys if you if y'all could get in touch. We've not been in touch. I've communicated with Gunny Wolf with Simper Tunes, but not really had any direct correlation with them. And okay. we hope to be able to because. What we've done is we took Lance Corporal Crunch and we created him a free downloadable coloring sheet on our website. 
Nice. So you can get him, download him, color him, and enjoy. And then we started implementing gift coins. We took the gift card aspect of online e-cards and made it look like a coin because challenge coins are a big thing in the military. So you can purchase e-gift coins on there. So we took this money and we started putting into it and we had it set in aside, you know, because we knew that we had to fulfill these orders that people were picking. In that time period, we were able to find a facility after multiple no's and no's and no's and no's and that they couldn't do it or they weren't able to do it or we didn't meet their minimum requirements uh, and stuff of like that. And we found a facility out of Oklahoma that is able to manufacture, that is willing to give us a chance and help us mass produce this. We needed to get custom molds because the molds we were using were silicone. In the chocolate industry, you need polycarbonate, which hold up more and they work on the injection molding machines. So we had to get custom molds. We went through, we found a mold company that was out of Italy. That's in right now, our molds should hopefully be shipping out within the next week or two. The molds go to our manufacturer. Through our manufacturer, we were able to find a packaging company that gets us the FDA required packaging. So our packaging is in production right now. Molds are being made, packages being made. That was paid for. Packaging was paid for. Down payment was put on our manufacturer. Now we're like, okay, we can legally start taking pre-orders on our website. So beginning of February, we launched our pre-orders on our website with the saying of right now, and we're hoping to be able to do it sooner, but right now our, our target date is May 1st to start shipping our product. Wow. May 1st. And so, so where can people go to get, get, get crowns ready to eat? Like, where is it a website? Are you on Amazon? Are you on no, Facebook? We, we are on every social media platform at crayons ready to eat. But if you want to go ahead and do the purchases, you go to our website, crayonsreadytoeat.com. And you will find everything you there. Sign up for our email list. Now, we go into when we started this, we initially had five colors for all five branches. We kept the jokes going. We named each color after a branch of service. We have jarhead red for the Marines. We got squid blue for the Navy. We got dog face green for the Army. We got flyboy yellow for the Air Force. Puddle pirate orange for the Coast Guard. Now, once we launched into our manufacturing facility <laughs> and knowing that the Space Force is a thing, we decided to officially put a nickname on the Space Force by introducing a sixth color of white, and we have named it Space Cadet White in honor of the Space Force. Nice. Nice. That is, I mean, Air Force rebranded. Air Force. Re <laughs> Air Force My favorite's the Puddle Pirate one. <laughs> The fact that you call it Puddle Pirate, was it Puddle Pirate Yellow? Puddle Pirate Orange. Orange. Puddle Pirate Orange. There you go, Coasties. <laughs> Enjoy. No. I'm okay with well, that. Well, I one. told so I have a friend at work who who's comes from a long line of veterans. Uh her brothers, fathers, uh veteran, all of her brothers, cousins, um, a lot of her friends, her husband. Um, so long long line of veterans. I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk to this guy who started crayons ready to eat. And she's like, the fuck is that? And I showed like, I was like, just, just, just Google crayons ready to eat. Cause I, cause that's how I, that's what I did once he told me about it. And I was like, 
she just goes, I, I'm going to fill so many stockings for Christmas this year <laughs> because she's like half of the guys in my family are former Marines, like going back to like Vietnam. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to get the joke because it's a relatively new thing, but go for it, man. Plug it. And she's like, I'm going to order a fuck ton of crowns. I was like, you do you do you boo. Um, so she's, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's an amazing thing that you've done. Um, just, just to be able to sit there and be like, here is a meme that someone started yeah. as kind of like an insult to Marines and like the Marines, like we'll embrace it. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> the Marines like, and then, how like, can we capitalize? How can on we, this? how can we make this work for us? Hey kid, you want to buy some crayons? Hey, you want some crayons? You look go, oh, and you crayons. can eat them. Yeah. You're welcome. I you know, <laughs> 20 years. This is going to be in all the kindergarten classes. Yeah. You're not going to have to worry about. You're not going to have to worry about that. Well, you'll be a billionaire. Well, that's uh, that would be a great thing. You'll but be a billionaire, man. We're 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 also making sure that you know not only can you eat and color with our crayons, but we're also putting out a coloring book. And we're in the process right now. We've reached out and we've gotten several veteran active duty mill spouse dependent artist that have submitted to be artists for our first coloring book that is going to be the day in the life of the military eating crayons all branches eating the crayons and people will be able to have an opportunity to color those awesome so and one thing that we do is we're giving these our veteran mill spouse active duty independent artists an opportunity to build their portfolio by getting them published in an actual coloring book, which is hard to do in the art world of getting published somewhere. So they're building their portfolio. Now, one of the things that we have also done on our website is we have gotten a really good rapport with a gentleman by the name of Eric Ranks. Uh, he runs the Veterans Connection. Um, it is He's set out to help veterans with mental health and get them service dogs and things of that nature. And so people can go to our website and they can round up their when they check out and that roundup portion immediately goes over to the veteran connection. That sounds like, they, that sounds like uh, this other organization called vets for vets, which is basically the same type of thing where it's an organization geared towards getting service dogs to veterans. Um, so yeah. that's another one to check out vets for vets. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, any kind of veteran organization I'm all about, like, but, and give, give them props. You know, so, like I said, there's there's another one out there that helped us, you know, crowdfunding. Yeah, we raised 15,000. We netted about 13,000 off of that. But one of the biggest things that was a major pivot point for us is I learned about Warrior Rising. Warrior Rising is a phenomenal organization that they have this thing is called Warrior Academy. So if there's anybody out there that's in a, a veteran that wants to be an entrepreneur or is already in the entrepreneurial world, and you're still learning how to deal with business, their Warrior Academy basically takes what we learn in the military of five paragraph orders, um, up, you know, any op orders, terrain maps, and everything, how to implement it and run your business in that aspect. I went through that. Then I was invited to what they have as a business shower where they take 10 veteran entrepreneurs and we go up to a location. My location was Napa, California. And we went up there. We got so much mentorship that is unbelievable from business owners, veteran military, everything. We got a free three-piece suit. We got a, cus, um, a laptop, 
uh, MacBook Air. And then they did this pitch competition where we went and split into three rooms and we did a pitch to the board members. Those three rooms were narrowed down to one person each room. At that night, they had a dinner where they had an auction and had almost a couple hundred people there. And they announced the top three winners. And you had immediately pitch to everybody in the room and to a panel. The top winner was going to win $20,000 grant. Mind you, I had never pitched before. My team with Flossie and Cassandra helped prepare me to have a phenomenal pitch. Went up there, pitched, and I didn't get the first place, which I wasn't expecting to. I was just new at this. This was an experience. The mentor alone and the, the, the stuff that they gave us was just a phenomenal pivot for, for me personally and for the business. And after they announced the winner, they turned around and said, by the way, the other two um, finalists, we're giving you a $10,000 grant. So we got a $10,000 grant, which helped us as well more to be able to get where we are and now offering that pre-order at this point. So, so right now where you guys are at, at CRE is, is you, you're getting ready to start mass producing, right? That's what May 1st, you're kind of, that's your, your goalpost right now. Yep. Um, what's your next, once you start mass producing kind of, what do you see? Maybe it's too early to ask this question. I don't know, but what, where do you see going from once May 1st happens, where do you see yourself looking forward towards the future on May 2nd. What's the next set of goalposts you have for CRE? We are looking to get into as many, you know, small businesses that are veteran military, um, law enforcement and second amendment shops to get our product on their shelves, get it on their counter whenever people come in. So if anybody's interested in getting our product into their store, reach out to us, send us an email at info at crayons ready to eat. We are going to be working with getting all the processes needed to get us into the PXs, if possible. Um, once we are in the military, we, we are a niche. We are in the military community. We have taken a joke to reality, which is not very commonly happens. <laughs> I we would know say that, I, that does not happen at all. I can't think of any other company that's done something. That's like, like ha Marines eat crayons. And you're like, here are and fucking crayons like, you can eat, bitch. Yep. Like, that is pretty much like, that's pretty much a mic drop right there. Like, that is, like, that is the greatest mic drop. And leave it to a Marine to come up with. It's like, oh, really? I eat crayons? Here are my fucking crayons I can eat, you motherfucker. Yeah, watch me eat them. Yeah. Yum. <laughs> Yum, bitch. Oh, you want some chocolatey goodness? Like, that's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Um, we, crayons? We want, we want to be... Delicious. Exactly. They're great. It's it's the best chocolate you're ever going to taste, in my opinion, With especially with our manufacturer. Our first version was good, but our new, what our manufacturers come up with is just yummy, delicious, creamy chocolate. It is unbelievable. So we want to be at every Marine Corps ball. We want to see videos and photos of people at a Marine Corps ball on doing all this. What is my dog marking at? Price is not my dog out here for the first time uh, ever. Yeah, so, but you know, we want to be at we want to see videos of you know Marines at balls, retirement ceremonies, reenlistment ceremonies, 
just enjoying our crayons. And then eventually we know we need to revamp the packaging so we can get into the retail locations. Um, so that's going to be a, a further, you know, later on ordeal. But eventually we're going to have another entity of this, which is right now we're toying around the name of Vet Civ Treats. And we want to be the 1-800-Flowers of Branch Wars in the chocolate industry. We want to keep the Branch Wars alive where you can come and get different chocolate treats that are within the Branch Wars. You're going to be able to eventually get a big green weenie sucker. You're going to be... (laughs) I would totally buy that! Yo, listen. (laughs) Yo. <laughs> that's the greatest look. That's Yo, a here, shark tank. Years ago, Shark Tank, man. That is a shark that's tank a, idea. That that's legit. That's, that's legit. fucking legit. Years ago, there's a, a company. It's like Bag of Dicks, and I yep. bought my brother a Bag of Dicks, and it's like they're Dude. gummies. They're gummies. So you get a Bag of Dicks, and he's sitting there, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you son of a bitch." But I'm still so, gonna eat them. Do you them. know how good? Like, a but green, a big green weenie. Big green oh weenie, my god! Like, that you was, know how oh. well that will sell. Like, so like you, I can see the commercial for that now. Is like it's a military dude sitting like because you know who's gonna buy it, Frank. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna buy it for him. He's gonna buy it for me. Yeah, we're gonna buy it for you. Oh, your CEO! I'm just sort of a bitch, but this is pretty fucking good. (laughs) Looks like the green weenie. This feels great. I'm so better. Exactly. That is like Frank. I like that is amazing. That's I love. I can't even tell you. Just oh man, I needed that today. Thank you. So keep your eyes out on that one for the future. Oh, oh man. Christ. So May 1, we can we can start. Uh, can we start ordering now? Pre-ordering? Yes, you can start pre-ordering now. Good. I'm gonna I'm gonna and, stock up. And you can go on and get our e-gift coins and email it to your favorite freaking crayon eater and be able to get it, you know, send them a little <laughs> bit of spending money so they can go on our website. Now, one of the other things that we also do have is those of us that are proud to show our crayon eater pride is we do, we have our crayon eater t-shirts. We also have a crayons and chill t-shirt. And then we have our certified crayon eater decals that you can either put on your laptops or your vehicle and display that you are a certified crayon eater. Certified. Well, I'm certified. I earned that right. (laughs) I've earned it. I got my EGA. <laughs> I got it. Oh man, that is I just the brilliance that you've had to do to be able to turn that joke. But but I I just want I just want to say like just the foresight. But I honestly don't ever believe that anyone is the only person to come up with something. I that think he gets credit for the perseverance. Because I guarantee you there's someone else out there who has looked at it and said, oh, that would be a good idea. And then they didn't do shit. That's true. I, and I, he I, is I can doing agree. shit. Yeah, you're, you are making the moves to get it done. That's, that's the big thing. 
and you don't get that unless you go through the military like the marine corps like you don't understand what perseverance is until you have to go and like sit in 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 washington state in the rain outside and just be miserable for fucking fucking months (laughs) glorified fire like you don't understand what perseverance is until you've had to do that hey frank later on you're gonna start crayons ready to eat but right now we really need you to sit here and just (laughs) suck it up yeah we need you to watch this stupid little shit and just get rained on for the next three years have fun exactly um it's just it's it's you know when someone first started like there's a bunch of like now social media guys out there that play on the eating of the crayons that are just they're comedian veteran guys who are on tiktok or youtube or, or whatever and they just play on that joke and i guarantee you just sh- start shipping them your, your crayons they're going to be like oh my god i can actually eat these these are delicious <laughs> like yeah. Right it's, now, we're we're only shipping to the lower 48 states and so, select APOs. Okay. And once we get our packaging finalized and they get everything and the weights figured out and the cold packaging and everything else to ship outside, you know, it is going to be just shipping has gone through the roof. So be prepared if once we are able to ship to Alaska, Hawaii, and all these other places, shipping is not going to be cheap. Now, also keep in mind that this is chocolate. So when it comes to the hot months and things like that and the places that are hot months the shipping is going to go up it's going to be a mandatory two-day shipping with cold packs because cold packs only last 48 hours so we want you to make sure you get your crayons and they don't melt okay so you got to take that in in, in consideration with everything so just keep in mind we don't have no control on the shipping at this point and one of the things that's really been a hurdle for us has been the supply chain it's been getting the proper, you know, stuff situated, getting everything to find the mold manufacturer, getting the packaging lined up and everything. So it's it's been this whole pandemic has created a lot of hurdles that I personally have, you know, not wanted to freaking deal with, but we've had to deal with it. We've had to push through and adapt to come, overcome to every situation that's come at us. Back to the per- perseverance right there. I think it's important to to bring up because I'm in e-commerce and one of the guys, so I'm, I'm a co-organizer of the Raleigh Amazon meetup group, the largest Amazon meetup group in this area. And uh, he did candy coated nuts. So that's seasonal. So I think it's important to bring up that, you know, where, Amazon FBA puts certain restrictions, requirements, and XYZ on it. They're not. So he's able to get it to you no matter what, pretty much. Obviously, you're going to see a difference in in shipping costs, but in paying for shipping, like, that's just shipping. But because he's keeping it in-house, he's still able to get that shit to you, period. Yeah. No matter what. That's fucking phenomenal. Jeez, yeah, I'm very, very impressed by just just by everything, um, by everything that you're doing. Um, Thank you. It's 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 great. Like I'm, I cannot wait to get my first 
grounds. <laughs> I'm, good. I'm going, I like, I'm just going to sit out in my yard, just eating crayons. I'm going to do it in front of my niece and nephew. So like just to mess with them a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and my sister. And those of us that, you know, there are people that don't believe that it, you actually can write with it. All the videos that you see on social media are raw footage. They are not edited. They are nothing. We are, you know, it's actually, we have, we have re-engineered chocolate to actually make it color. That is, that, that should be in re every restaurant from mm -hmm. coast to coast. That, I mean, think about it. Like, think about every time you go out with young kids to a, like, or you see young kids in a restaurant. <laughs> What do they have? They have crayons. And then they start whining about, no, you're you know, 100%. Oh, I'm so hungry. Yep. Whereas, you know, man, could you just imagine having a crayon right there? It's like, oh, just eat the crayon. Shit, dude. Put them in schools. Like, 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 <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm coloring and you're I'm hungry. Be, we'll eat your crayons. Be, move over, Warren Buffett. Move. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. But I, I I'm uh, just, I'm just a, country boy from the backwoods of ohio that is a jarhead pollock that figured out that with finding the right people i can make it happen i had the idea cassandra's the brains behind it philosophy has helped me this tremendously with marketing and getting a lot of aspects together and everything else and it, it takes the team and i just happen to find the right team and get involved in the right network to be able to make it happen so I, I feel like Frank that, you know, your vision is slightly more than just the meme. Obviously it's like you have the practical application as well as, you know, you can color with and consume the crayons. So, um, I'm, I'm definitely curious because you know, COVID, I feel like didn't pose that much of a threat to a business that was primarily online to begin with, but what are some of the challenges that you have seen in getting it from idea to fruition and what have you done to overcome those challenges? Well, like we talked about, it was, it, a lot of it was the, now that we're in a manufacturing stage, which is supply chains, um, finding the right manufacturer that was willing to say yes and they would be give it a try and, and listen to us um and not being able to do it traditionally where we would launch the market with locally food you know farmers markets uh, uh major events and things of that nature um to getting into the right networks and listening to other people in the industry and just keep pressing forward to go after it because when you, when you have a passion to do, do something and you have no clue what you're doing, because I knew nothing about chocolate until this, um, knowing that you're able to put smiles on people's faces and the joy that it brings with it, that we have a camaraderie in the military that when we get out, we kind of lose that. And now I have something that can kind of bring that back together it's, it's a matter of not giving up, you know, there, you can fail, but failing does not mean you've lost fail is your first attempt in learning something. 
Edison found a thousand different ways to not make a light bulb, you know, so you got to keep trying, you got to keep pushing forward. And when there's an obstacle in a way, you can't just think you have down and out. You've got to keep pushing and pushing forward. It's one thing the military has taught us is there's a mission at hand and you complete that mission at all costs. Absolutely. Um, your, your next idea should definitely be edible, uh, poncho liners, just <laughs> throwing that one out there, <laughs> make edible panties. You're doing, you're doing, uh, crayons ready to eat. Next thing is edible poncho liners. It's, it's on the list. It's on the list. <laughs> um, well, man, it's, it's amazing. The, everything that you're doing. Um, I, I, I hope that you are going to be the crowns ready to eat are going to be everywhere. I really do. In the next two years, three years, five years, 10 years. Um, I hope it's something that we see everywhere. I'm going to be a big supporter of it. Um, just Thank because you. I am a crayon eater, uh, and I will wear that badge proudly. I mean, really, truly, uh, <laughs> I, it's amazing that you were able to do this. I, I, I just kind of in awe. <laughs> yeah i'm just a normal guy aren't we all yeah no i <laughs> when when you mention poncho liners it's like fucking fruit roll up it yeah. keeps you warm but you can also eat it yeah damn straight <laughs> <laughs> like there, there's a whole untapped market right there pretty soon m16s will be edible so frank i'm i'm curious what's one of the things where you know because obviously you have this idea and like nobody fucking knows about it unless you tell them so what's something you did from coming up with a concept to hey i gotta get the word out this is how i'm gonna do it I just did it. I, I, I honestly had no strategy. I had no clue what I was doing. I knew nothing about social media. I just posted. I just put it up there. And one of the things that I learned at a young age is you got to build relationships. You got to build, you know, connections with people. And I just, when people would reply or people would comment, we go in and we comment, we post, we, we answer what they're saying. You know, I mean, we just interacted with them. I really was no strategy to it. It was get it out there. And the word of mouth has just been tremendous. The fact that within a short time period, that one video that Samantha and everybody else made went viral to get shared on multiple places was just um, unbelievable. And to know that we have other platforms like TikTok, literally within a few months, we went from zero people on TikTok to now we're at 13,000 followers on TikTok. You know what I mean? It's just uh, it's just posting videos and posting things that are out there. And it's, I, I, I haven't, I don't have the strategy or the math or the, or the, you know, the algorithm behind it. It's just, I went and posted it and everybody else helped us do the work. That's what the military community is about. Everybody else helped share our, our, our message and, and get us out there. And we appreciate everybody for that. No, I, I agree with that hundred percent. That, like, that is a, that is a summation of the military. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it's like, that. Oh, there's a bunch of veterans and they're doing shit. It's like irreverent warriors. I feel like that's why they're so successful. It's like they coordinate and establish hikes 
for veterans and their number one mission is to stop veteran suicide. And I really appreciate the fact that, you know, well, during their safety is- briefs, they're like, Hey, we're not here to raise awareness. We are all aware. Yeah. We're here to stop it. Yeah. Well, I think that's anything like you. I don't think, I think if black rifle even is outside of the veteran community, it's not what it is today. Yeah. Vet TV. I mean, like, you know, yeah. if, if someone did a, a, you know, something else like first responders, I mean, it's still just a, a, a tight knit community, but there's something just about being a veteran that is just like, we are going to push forward. Yeah. We are going to, I, you know, you've seen the same shit I've seen or been in the same mud I've been in or whatever, <laughs> whether it's 10 years apart, 20 years apart, different sides of the world it's like i'm still going to 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 get to help you out um it, it is a very tight-knit community it's a community i'm i'm very proud to be a part of you know i'm oh, yeah. i'm very very happy that we have people like you in it that take jokes and are like you know i'm gonna make this real this motherfucker told us the coin story yeah, the coin <laughs> <It's> <laughs> here's a guy who told us the coin story oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know and it's it's no one of the things that we also do is we we try to keep that connection going is we've started introducing a bi-weekly live show called crayon eaters unite um we go live for about a half hour tuesday nights 6 30 uh pacific time 9 30 eastern standard time and we just we basically it's where we give an opportunity to give introduce the company to those that don't know us. We give any updates that we got going on on a live show. And right now we're bringing on Marine guests. So if there's any Marines out there that want to be on the show um, and you're doing things, we want to hear what you're doing. We want to share your message out there. And we want to ask you a few questions on what you as a Marine think about the crayon eater um, aspect of it. So we do that little show every once, every biweekly. Our next one is, uh, on the 8th of this month and then the one after that is on the 22nd and we've got a couple people lined up on that one but if anybody any marines out there want to come on the show shoot us an email info at crayons ready to eat come on join us we go live on facebook youtube and twitch um and we're just there you know not only promoting us but we're wanting to promote you and what you got going on amazing that's awesome that's kind of what we're trying to do i know a guy you know a guy i know a guy i know a guy you know a few guys no pretty much just you no just me yeah yeah that's sad no i know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so i know janet i'm gonna try to get her on she's the one that was on the live earlier so uh janet is marine gone army gone mom that's, we had her on the podcast before, didn't we? No. Uh, it's a different Marine gone army. Yeah, I guess. We had one of the... Oh, no, she was a recruiter. I'm thinking of the recruiter. Oh, you're talking about Olga. Yeah, no, Olga, she, that's who I'm thinking of. She was just army. I thought she was a Marine. No. Nope. They all blend together. I'm thinking of Great White Buffalo. Really? Great White Buffalo. Great White Buffalo. Great White Buffalo. <laughs> we, had, we, had a, we had a guest who was a... Uh, we, uh, when we first started, he's a chief warrant officer in the army, but he started as a Marine. 
I still haven't edited that episode because it's going to take so much. Yeah. I need to go in and fucking do it, but we talked about a lot of stuff and he was like, yeah, don't we got to take that out. We have to change his name. He was like, change my (laughs) name and change my voice. And I was like, God damn it. Yeah. That's a lot of editing. We got to do. Yeah. You got to do very well. Frank, I appreciate you jumping on, man. Yeah, yeah, no, we, I, we I really appreciate it. You having you on, um, it, it, you know, again, one more time, where, where can we find you? Where can we go and support you? Um, crayons ready to eat.com go to any social media and type in crayons ready to eat. And you will find us at awesome. crayons ready to eat Twitter. We're crayons underscore R underscore E because they don't give you that long enough name. But we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, we're on Clapper. So you can find us on all those platforms. And well, fuck you. Yeah. And go buy lots of crayons and <laughs> them. Um, yeah, give them out to every Marine. Well, you know. see, you're going to have to buy a shitload of crayons because you're going to buy the crayons. Then you're going to eat the crayons. Then you're going to need more crayons. Because yeah. they're gone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're gonna need to, yeah. It's uh, it's it's gonna be. A th- I'm gonna go on and buy. Look, this afternoon. I, I'll, either I'll way, I'm, I'm gonna be giving out to people. Yeah, I've already got a list <laughs> of people that you, I'm just gonna ship directly crayons, to. You get crayons. You get crayons. Yeah, you get crayons. You get crayons. You're cool. You get crayons. Well, yeah. I, either way, Frank, I appreciate you coming on, man. I know we soaked up a lot of time. This is a recording. So it will probably, uh, um, let me look at the calendar here probably be out in a couple of weeks. Well, the, the next one, so tomorrow's inflation and next week is our, uh, cancel culture. So (laughs) Frank, Frank, you will be up the 21st. And I think based off of the length of this uh recording i could probably do the 21st and 28th so i I always i always tag the business i try to tag the personal um yeah just just look me up frank manto it's m-a-n-t as in tango e-a-u or you can just search the crayon eater king and you should find me yeah i got i got you on facebook it just sometimes like with uh one of the guys I did on business and brews recently, it just didn't take for some reason. Yeah. Wow. Go, go and follow, go throw a follow to them. Um, support them. It's, it's, it's just amazing. Fuck yeah, man. Well, well, Frank, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you for your time. Thank you for explaining. Uh, Not a problem. Thank you for having me here. And I appreciate it. You know, I'm going to, th- I'm going to be buying a whole bunch of crayons here in my future. <laughs> I can, I can go ahead and tell you. Thank you. All right, All right. man. All right. Thank you. Always. Don't work too hard. Oh, I won't. This is the Veteran Talk Show. If you or someone you love is suffering as a victim of sexual harassment, sexual assault, needs help with addiction and recovery, or mental health and well-being, then please go to VeteranTalkShow.com slash resources. This show is hosted, produced, and edited by Ryan Smelt. Our co-host is Joe Ballack and a guest-starring veterans.